This is episode four of the CLG podcast, the official CLG podcast. That's what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> I'm Devin Nash, CEO of Counterwatch Gaming. Brian, otherwise known as iShiny, master Overwatch player, and master of rectangles, <laughs> and now circles, or like Spheres. domes. Yes, domes. Yes. <laughs> Can we, let's like, explain that. I mean, it's more of a sphere, but most people just see the dome because half of it go, or half of the dome goes underground. But yes. if you're like way up in the air and you make it, it's just a giant sphere that falls to the ground. Is it actually? Yeah. Yeah, for Winston? Cool. Mm-hmm. So Winston and Reinhardt are still your mains right now? Yep. Yeah? They'll uh, probably be like the only heroes I really have to play for a long time. Like the meta would really have to evolve Why is that? into something new. They're both just like required in the two types of team compositions that are in the game. Um, being like a slower comp with Reinhardt or yeah. like a dive comp with Winston. Um, I don't know. Meta, meta can be weird. Uh, some teams have tried having their main tank play D.Va, and uh, they just haven't been as successful as all the teams that run their main tank on Reinhardt or Winston. So. Shields matter. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, shields matter and pressure as well. Like, Did Symmetra ever get to the point where she could actually be used in a comp? Like, is she viable now? Um, She's hyper-situational. Yeah. Uh, like, for 2CP maps. What's a 2CP map? Um... Hanamura, Volskaya Industries, Temple of Anubis. Uh, 2CP is uh, like an acronym for two checkpoints. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not the lingo. Yeah, it's, I guess the official term is assault. Got it. Uh, But it's like you have to capture one point and then you have to capture the second point. Got it. Okay. You change sides. (laughs) Okay. Before we get like super deep into the, into the Overwatch meta, um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll go to. uh, So, I guess we'll start with like how you came to be, <laughs> yeah, and and like where you started as a as a professional. Or I'm actually particularly interested in your history as a gamer because I don't know it. And okay. maybe we'll start there. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I mean the history of uh, me being me. I guess uh, started probably in like. 1985. <laughs> is that my what mom it's and happened? my dad were. Yeah. Uh, no, I was born in Japan, like I was talking to you about earlier. Off, offshot, um, yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. I just just found that out. <laughs> I was born on a U.S. military base, so I'm still like solely U.S. citizen. Um, to my Korean mom and my Irish ancestry dad, um, and uh, moved to Washington State and um, grew up. My brother and I, we we lived, like, in apartments near uh, our elementary school for a while. And then my parents, like, evolved, and they wanted to get more in touch with nature, and they wanted to get their own place. And so um, we were living in a town called Vancouver, Washington. Yeah, of course. And um, they decided to move to their house hunting for a while. Oh, man. I remember being a kid after school. Like, you just want to go home. You just want to, like, play video games because we had, like, a PS1. And... Uh, <laughs> We'd play games like Star Gladiator and um, all of the older games like Crash Bandicoot and such yep. and uh, Spyro. And um, instead of going home and playing video games, we would get in the car and we'd go looking at houses. And my brother and I, being small children, absolutely hated it. It was horrible because we'd just like sit in the car. They'd go like look at the house yeah. and we were chilling in the car probably fighting because this is before you had handhelds of any kind of substance too so you couldn't do like these days we have like ds's you can just play fire (laughs) emblem or something and you're good no exactly 
and so my brother and I would just fight in the car until we got home because <laughs> we're just stuck. We have nothing There's to nothing else to do. You might as well fight people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might as well just bug each other until someone gets mad. Um, but yeah, eventually they settled for a house up in the mountains in Woodland, uh, which was like 40 minutes north of Vancouver. Um, and uh, so we were in the middle of a forest on the foothills of Mount St. Helens and um, like away from civilization. And uh, wow. We we grew up there. It was it was like a lot of land. It was a really cool place to grow up. Like nice view of the Columbia River and like the farmlands way below. Um, but the trade off was that we were pretty isolated from mm-hmm. our friends because all of our friends are still in Vancouver, and my brother and I were still going to school in Vancouver because of something called the Challenge Program, um, which was like an elementary school into middle school like um, like advanced program for like education. Um, and the schools that provided it were only in Vancouver. So okay. while we we're living in Woodland, we went to school in Vancouver, which is a 40 minute drive, meaning like all of our friends are still there. Yeah. And so when we're at home, it's like, well, we can't go out and play with our friends. We can't like go hang out in the neighborhood and we live in the middle of a forest in the mountains. So, uh, we resorted to playing video games instead. Resorted to. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a better pastime. I mean, also I guess it helps that we were in Washington state and it was always raining outside. So yeah. there wasn't really the excuse for nine of the months. There was an excuse where it was like, you should go outside and play. It's like, well, it's raining yeah. and I really don't want to. Um, so my brother and I, uh, under the conditions of our parents that we got straight A's and we're playing a sport, which was soccer, we could play as much video games as we want. And uh, so come around to, I'd say a month after the Xbox 360 was released, mm. um, it was our birthdays. Uh, my bro- my brother's born one day and three years earlier than me. Okay. So he's July 21st, I'm July 22nd, but he's three years older. Got it. Um, so we had shared, shared birthdays. And uh, so we got an Xbox 360, and um, we also got an upgraded computer. So this resorted in, like, pretty much here, one right? console each. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, mm. And my brother, being the older brother, decided that he really liked World of Warcraft and that into Guild Wars, and I always wanted to try them. But him being the older brother <laughs> wouldn't let me. Owned it, yeah. And uh, so he took over the PC, and I just like couldn't get into PC gaming, so I resorted to playing the Xbox. And um, oh man, actually, super funny story. Uh, <laughs> so we had a friend uh, before before we got our own Xbox 360. We had a friend that had an Xbox, and uh, they were like family friends, and they had kids. I wasn't a huge fan of their kids okay why not <laughs> um because of this story okay was uh he had an xbox and he had halo 2 and i was like i don't know eight nine years old and um they had a system where like you would trade off when someone dies in the game and i had never played halo before so him and my brother uh, were doing the campaign and two people can play in the campaign at once and so they'd play and then when one of them died like after an hour, like I got to play, yeah, and then like I had no idea what I was doing. I would die in like two Instantly, minutes, yeah, two minutes, and they take the controller back and be going for like another hour, two hours, and so I hated Xbox, I hated Halo, and like when I finally got the Xbox 360, I was like, you know what, I'm giving this another go now that like I can just play as yeah. much as I want. Got Halo 2, was really bad at it. Um, when Halo 3 came out, I got it and. Um, I played a ton. I was like one of those squeakers on Xbox. That's what we were called, were squeakers. And uh, when I was 12 years old was when I hit max rank in the game. 
I was rank 50 in every single queue except for squad battle and MLG. I had a 46 and a 49. It's like the same thing as being like challenger on league. Were you one of those people that was like rampaging, flaming people on Xbox, but you were 12 years old? Is that what you're saying? I, no. <laughs> uh, like the classic I was troll. very good. I was very good at the game. I wasn't okay. like I wasn't a rager um, because I wanted to play on a team. Actually, oh I really? Was, uh, I was really interested in like the competitive scene because like I, I got really good in the ladder, and then like when I started meeting people that like played with me because I was good, not because I was like wanting to play with. Yeah, I, I was a little kid. Um, I kind of matured uh, at a more rapid rate. So in conjunction with my brother being older and like playing games with me, um, teaching me like the way to act. Um, I was also playing with people. Like I want to be on a team with them, mm-hmm. so I can't be annoying. I can't like annoy them and be like a twelve-year-old kid essentially. Yeah. Um, so I got to play on some amateur teams. I got to play with like a lot of the pros uh, in Halo Three, and um, when that was like that was just a magical journey. I went to a lot of Halo tournaments. I like won all of my local Halo tournaments, which was pretty wild. This. That's cool. Um, it was like a bunch of college and high school students, and I was like in seventh grade, I think. Uh, my mom had to come to the tournament with me to sign off saying that I could play the mature game and then I'd like win the tournament and <laughs> it was it was pretty nuts um, you were still 12 13 at this time mm-hmm. I was 12 when I won my like last halo tournament before like the next halo came out so did you actually um, I'm curious did you follow seal uh, well what would then become CLG's team of ogre 2 and I knew Ogre. of them yeah you knew uh, of them? I've played okay. with them I played with them like on the ladder and the queues um, but I didn't like follow that like full esports journey. Yeah, it wasn't there yet. It was. Yeah. It was. It the was. The scene was like pretty non-existent. Yeah, still. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like CRT monitors and like yeah. people in a basement playing for like fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Those were the days though. It was pretty wild. Um, then uh, new Halo came out. Yeah, Halo ODST and Halo Reach. wasn't a fan. I didn't like it. I was like, oh, I like this old school style. Like this was it. Halo's ruined now. Moved on to Call of Duty. <laughs> Uh, fared very well in Call of Duty. Did like the game battle stuff. Climbed really high up on the ladder. Um, did pretty well. Didn't really take it seriously though. It was just like a pastime. It was just super fun. What was the difference? Um, like, why did you get so into Halo but not into COD? Uh, there was a quantifiable ranking system in Halo Three. Okay. So mm-hmm. there was like your level. Like you got experience for playing, but there was also a rank. Um, there so was in COD as well, right? There was a leaderboard. There right. was a leaderboard for, like, KD. Okay, yeah, it like wasn't such. legit, it and a bunch of people legit, hacked it. Yeah, I remember it, this, yeah. It wasn't, like, a, a actual specific queue for a ranking, and, like, you have MMR, and you play against, like, other good yeah. players and such. That's it true. was just, like, all of your ranking is online. Like, third-party websites that, like, yeah. held small tournaments, and you put teams together. Man, Halo um, was ahead of its time. Halo was very ahead of its time. I actually didn't realize that. They had a full leaderboard system, MMR. They had, like, matchmaking way before mm-hmm. anybody else. Matchmaking, they had yeah. the Forge. They had Spectator Theater mm-hmm. Mode. Yeah, yeah, they had the Forge. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Very Halo early on. Halo 3 was way ahead of its time. Yeah. Like, that's where I hope Overwatch, like, gets to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, even though it's, like, 15 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. yeah. Have, like, a replay system. Have, like, map editable... Um, the Forge was awesome. Yeah, Forge you could actually was... make like movies in it. You could make oh, yeah. like short films and no, stuff. Exactly. You could do all kinds of that's stuff. Like, really that's cool. when Machinima was thriving. It really? Was pretty wild. Yeah. It was like all of the like Halo shorts. They were doing content or mm-hmm. yeah. People would make oh. like TV shows completely within the game. It was pretty wild. Uh, yeah, we don't have any games like that. <laughs> no. Like I'm trying to think of Warcraft Three. Like all over on the RTS side, was a little bit like that. Starcraft mm-hmm. had sort of custom 
game modes, oh, no, but nothing quite like the four. I mean, what's so crazy is that was on a count a console. That's what's nuts. It's like mm-hmm. that, like that, like a device that has traditionally less functionality mm-hmm. had way more ability to do stuff. Yeah, Halo I don't even think is. future versions of Halo necessarily upgraded on that. It's just that the community was lost uh, for the most part. Halo Three was when I think the Halo community was thriving mm-hmm. at its like peak. Um, I know that I could like log on after school, and there'd be like eight to nine custom game lobbies that my friends were in that I could like join and play like zombies or, or yeah. some of the hilarious Forge custom game modes, and they would just always be going. You'd meet new people every day. You'd like meet friends, old friends, old acquaintances. You'd be like, oh man. I remember playing with this guy like two weeks ago. He's really good. Yeah. Or like he's really good at this custom game or like this guy's hilarious. And like the community was just super um, internal. It was really just like well-rounded. Everyone was just there to have a blast. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that kind of died out going into Reach. um, And then onto like Halo 4, Halo 5. It was kind of just like completely lost. Um, Is that because the game quality declined? Or like each successful release wasn't as good or what happened? um, it's, It's hard to say. Uh, like Halo Reach technically had more functionality uh, hmm. the Forge system was completely upgraded um, but I think a part of it was that it was so refined that it made it not as fun um, so like with Halo 3 the way to get like insane Forge capabilities was you had to do like really nutty glitches um, so, oh okay uh, I like I forged all the time and um, like one of the glitches uh, so in the earlier maps before the first DLC came out mm. you could only place items on the map and like they wouldn't they they'd be like movable items so like crates and explosives you could like punch them and push them around um it wasn't until a map called foundry came out where you could actually put like permanent placements like things that can't be moved um and then that got even upgraded further when people found clipping glitches where um basically you like hold on to a box um and then you'd like double tap it and hit start at the same like let go and grab it while hitting start at the same time and then you'd like save the map and then load it in. And then when you load it in, you'd still be holding onto the box. Yeah. And it could go like through the ground. You could like put it in the ceiling and it would just like clip through. And so you could like twist it and have just like a pyramid of like the box coming out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And then you like place it, save the map, or you like hold it there, save the map with the box there, let go, like load it back in, and it would like permanently just be like clipped into the ground like that. And so I was like loading into a custom game and seeing like a map you've never seen before is like whoa how did they even do this like this is insane i must have taken like 20 hours to make this of just like clipping like one item at a time wow um it just like made the community really wild it was like everyone had like these god tier creations that people would be like whoa like i want to play on that yeah um there's like does somebody have this one map saved like someone has to try this map or um i would always like save the best things that i would find and i'd be like yo Give me, yeah, like, give me, give me the leader of the custom game, and I want to like show all sixteen of you like this wild thing you've never seen before. Um, so community was just really tight knit. I don't know what really happened into Halo Reach and Halo Four, just because I kind of dropped off of the the community. So what happened to you after that? Like, where where did you go after Halo um, Three? Did the Call of Duty thing? Yeah. Um, wasn't a huge fan. Wasn't seeing like the competitive scene going anywhere, and I couldn't really get into it. Um, so that is when. Um, I was going into my sophomore year of high school, and my uh, my brother, technically, wait, yes, no, I was going from middle school to high school, actually, mm-hmm. is when I first tried a PC game, because my brother got really into Xbox at this time. Oh, uh, so, 
Yeah, yeah we mm-hmm. like swapped. He really liked Soul Calibur Four and yep. got like really high up on the leaderboards on Soul Calibur Four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was very good at that game, and um, I switched, and all my friends got StarCraft Two when it re- got released, and so I was like, "All right, I'll try this game." All of my like best friends from from middle school were getting StarCraft Two. I was like, "I gotta try it." Um, first day I got it, there was a friend that I would always beat on Halo Three and Call of Duty, and he's like, "Hey, like, I'm glad you finally got this game. Like, let's play," and so he set up like a one v one lobby. He played Protoss, and I was playing Terran, and uh, he just like went straight Dark Templars, yep. and I just had no idea like what was going what on. What is even going like, on? How do I build like, a unit yeah, that exactly. even counters this? Yeah. He just like killed my entire base, and he just like kept beating me over and over, and I was, was like having the like, absolute time of his life. Because <laughs> you beat him <laughs> on Halo for all this years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so this like kind of peeved me, like lit a spark inside, and I just like grinded the 1v1 ladder until I hit Diamond. And then I played him in a 1v1 and, like, blew him out of the water. Who did you put? What, what race did you play? Uh, I was a Zerg player. I was a master Zerg, dude. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's go. I played so, so much StarCraft 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is... I think the ladder anxiety on StarCraft 2 was stronger than any game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Because I never stopped getting scared of playing on the ladder no, 1v1. absolutely. You know why? Because it's like, unlike Overwatch or, like, a lot of the other esports, if you lose on StarCraft, it is all your fault. There's nothing you can do. 100%. Like, you can try. Like, a lot of people, they try to blame the cheese. And they're like, oh, you know, Cannon Rush. It's a legit strat. Like, yeah. it's balanced against everything. Like, the devs have looked at it. Like, if you just lose, you just suck. You just got to deal with it. No, exactly. Yeah. You just have to, like, open with the safer strategy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, hit Diamond Season 1. Um, and then hit Diamond in, like, 2v2, 3v3, 4v4. And then, like, wow. play him in a 1v1 absolutely massacred him he quit starcraft after that savage yeah <laughs> and then um i got really into all the the custom games i was like the ladder got really okay. difficult i like couldn't climb anymore i was really struggling i hit like a peak um and so i got really into the custom games i was playing like runling and um a bunch of just like hilarious games that are super fun to play um and then i got into one called sodas um, A.K.A. Storm of the Imperial Sanctum. Oh, I heard about that. I never played it actually. It was like yeah. a, it was a MOBA. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Starcraft. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friends and I just like really enjoyed it. And um, I was horrible. I was like absolutely horrendous. But there was something. Uh, I believe it was a mumble server. Uh, I believe that's what it was called for that community. But it was like I saw an advertisement on like the loading screen. I was like, hey, join our competitive mumble community. And I like joined it. Um, and I was like, I was still pretty young and they're all like really experienced in the game and they're doing in-houses. They just always did in-houses and, um, I would always be the last pick. Yeah. Always. Uh, without a doubt, I was just like the worst player on that entire server. So like the first two teams were picked, they'd go do their in-house. The second two teams are picked, they go do an in-house. And then like, I would hope that there'd be exactly like 10 people remaining. If there was 11, I wouldn't get into that third game because <laughs> I wouldn't be the one picked. Mm. And so I'd get into like that third game. And uh, I actually had some mentors like take me on in that game. Uh, one guy was named Tofu Shift and another guy was named Bishop. And um, they both That's just, an like, awesome name, Bishop. Yeah, That's sweet. They're like the two best players on the server or just like in uh, the custom game. And um, they, like, would pick me on their team, like, first pick in, like, the Tier 1 in-house games, and they would just coach me. Like, we'd get massacred, like, because I would suck. Yeah. But they just, like, taught me until I got pretty solid at the game. And um, just when I was starting to hit, like, getting picked for the Tier 1, like, in-houses, 
they all moved to league. And so I was like, what is this league game? And um, apparently they had like already been playing it. They were all um, above like 1,800 ELO season one okay, uh, players. And they like brought me into their in-houses on league when I was like a level one, just made my account. Um, and they coached me uh, from like level one all the way to level 30 into ranked. Um, started the grind. And then Tofu Shift is like the main guy that took me like completely on. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he pretty much coached me until I got to 1500, uh, 1520. It was like 1524 exactly, season mm-hmm. one. Uh, I hit gold. And um, I was like, dang, I like barely made it because I think the cutoff was 1520. Um, and so like the final win got me into gold. And I was like, dang, I got like the season rewards for gold. I got like the Jarvin skin. Did they have that back then? Mm hmm. It was. Uh, this is season one or two? Season one. Season one. It was. I like remember the, they. I started in season two, like early season two. I played the beta and then I like skipped a season and started playing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I um. I just never really heard of it until uh, season one came okay. out. So, got into it, hit gold, got the. I think it's called Victorious Jarvan or like yeah. Championship Gar- Jarvan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Victorious Jarvan. Yeah, yeah Victorious. I think is what it is. I still have that skin too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um. And then uh, I kind of just, like, split off from that, like, group. They kind of stopped playing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, like, they still played a little bit, but their community kind of fell off. They, like, all stopped being friends with each other and playing with each other. And um, I kind of did my own thing. And uh, season two, I climbed higher than all of them. I got to 2350, um, which was, like, I think top 200, top 300. Pretty much, yeah. In, in NA season two. And uh, a lot of them were like, whoa, that's uh, Glowy. Because, like, my, my name in StarCraft was Glowy, and I was, like, the bad player. And um, I, like, surpassed all of them in League. And I was like, dang. Like, I got ahead of all of them. Like, they all used to look down on me. And now I, like, made it to the top. Yeah. And um, I did it playing pretty much only Rumble and Amumu. <laughs> and, uh, um, Amumu was pretty badass back then, though. Yeah, he's not no, as good now, sick. but he is really good. Season one, I was an Amumu main yeah. until Rumble came out, and he was a super good jungle. He was like yep. tier one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For a long time. Necessary. Yeah. Yeah. For the first two or three years of the game, Amumu mm-hmm. was king. He was wild. Yeah. Um, and then uh, season three, um, kind of like took it more seriously. Got all my friends into it. We all were just like play League every night, but um, I kind of just was like very adamant. I was like. I will not play ranked with you guys. Like I will play like normal matches as much oh, really? as I want, mm-hmm. but like I'm only gonna solo queue ranked or like duo with like better players because I want to like climb the ladder. And then so towards the end of season three, um, I got to diamond one, uh, like eighty LP. And then I got like plus five LP for the next one, plus four, plus three, plus two, plus one. Got to diamond one ninety nine LP, and then it was plus zero for thirteen wins in a row. <laughs> literally won 13 games straight of getting plus zero um i was doing with a guy named super metroid he was a, a vi nocturne one trick or two trick i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. and um <laughs> then on that 14th win uh it like bumped me into challenger and i was like no way I, I i hit the 50th spot in challenger i held it for a day in season three and then just like dropped back down into diamond one but that was like the pinnacle of my like league essence yeah it was just like making it into the challenge I was like dang i didn't even think this was possible mm-hmm. um it's like everyone had such a big head start and um didn't think like i could break all the way into it um and then uh 
that was about the time I was graduating uh, high school. And um, that summer, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to contemplate pursuing pro. Um, pro, pro what? Pro league? Pro league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so the options I had going into the summer of um, my junior to senior year was um, to pursue soccer, to pursue gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so after like halfway through my senior year of school, I was contacted um, by the University of Washington like league team at the time they won the collegiate nationals they were losing their top laner i kenny U, and they found out that i was going to contemplate going go going to u-dub mm-hmm. and um so i was like huh this could be possible like i could get my college paid for it like that'd be wild that was actually a thing at u-dub back then mm-hmm. how long how long ago was this at this point though actually it's not that long ago uh the year before my freshman year so i was a senior in high school okay when, uh the that's first they're very progressive that that's crazy mm-hmm. yeah and um so I, uh, they had just, they just had their team, and um, I was contemplating soccer scholarships at the time. Um, my number one option fell through. Um, I didn't get into Stanford, and I didn't get on their soccer team. And then I had a verbal commitment for getting on the MIT soccer team, um, but the coach moved to Washington and Lee College uh, two weeks before admissions, mm-hmm. and then so I like lost my in into MIT. Didn't get in on grades alone. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I don't want to play soccer at like any of these other schools. I got scholarships too. Like it just wouldn't be fun for me. Um, I want to play for like one of these two teams. And like, if not, I'd rather just do academics. And so um, I was like, well, gaming was always a passion. Um, contemplated going pro. So I'm just going to go to UW and play on the college team. And then so over the summer, I played league all day. Um, my parents' house. So when I hit Challenger, I was actually playing on about 140 ping. Wow. Because um, we lived up in the mountains, and um, and that's not that great. And, yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty rough. Yeah, and So my friend is. let me move into his basement, um, <laughs> and so I only played league in his basement for about three months straight between the end of high school and before college started at UW. Yeah. And I just played all day, every day. It was like on that grind. Got on a team. Um, an amateur team and we qualified for like the, the like challenger tournament you had to be like top 16 on the 5v5 challenger ladder or something and um, we qualified for it and um, three members of our five man roster didn't want to do it because they were like dads that had kids and they actually like didn't want to play pro or challenger series and um, so I was like dang uh, unlucky Yeah. and so um, kind of didn't really wasn't really on that hustle super hard um, I still didn't really figure out how things worked on regards to like getting on teams and grinding and like networking really hard and um, getting those tryouts and so uh, I decided to do the college thing like just the college thing alone um, went to UW found out that there's like zero infrastructure with the team the team never practiced um, they won the tournament purely on like mechanical skill the year before mm-hmm. and it was also the first iteration of the tournament so there weren't like super organized teams um, and then going into my year there as a freshman, like five of us were challenger. Our entire team was challenger. Um, we like literally took five of the 200 spots on one college team. And um, they're like, yeah, we're good enough to just not practice. And I was like, okay, this isn't <laughs> what I expected. I thought you guys had like more structure because yeah. they just had a manager and the five players. And um, zero practice. Uh, it was four qualifier tournaments. The winner of each tournament got to like be in the top 16 teams um because there was like west east south and north mm-hmm. and um 
we were in the West region, which is the more difficult region, um, or the most difficult region. Yeah, it is. And um, so we lost the first qualifier tournament. It's like, all right, like fair enough. Like UBC is really good. Um, lost the second qualifier tournament. It's like, uh, guys, like this shouldn't be happening. Lost the third one, and then we lost the fourth one. And I was like, there's no way. Like we lost to teams that had like diamonds on them, or like master players, and we're just like how is this even possible? And I was just like, it's because they practice. Yeah. Um, they like actually had structure. And um, so I had a huge falling out with those players and that manager. Um, Cause I was really frustrated. I was really mad actually. Cause I was like, I came here to like to play league. I came here to win. And um, it doesn't seem like you guys really care. I was like, I'll play with you guys again. If you want to practice like next year, like mm-hmm. I'm totally down to do this next year. And they're like, yeah, like we'd be down maybe. And um, I was like, it's just not enough. Uh, it's just going to be the exact same. It was just personalities that didn't really want to like push themselves. And so um, over that summer, uh, we created Washington Esports, which was supposed to be like infrastructure for our gaming teams. And we wanted to like have a brand that we could build. And so we made Washington Esports just as a league team. And um, I did tryouts for the team, uh, got a coach. His name's Kevin Huang. Really? Uh, Kevin Huang was the first coach of our UW League team. I didn't even know that. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And uh, then we started recruiting players, and we held tryouts for every single role. We had about 20 players try out, and um, it was commitment-based. So like, even though those players tried out, I was like, I only want players that want to practice and like want to be like part of like this regiment, like have this be part of their college life, not just like play solo queue in your free time yeah. and then, and then like, say you're on a league legends team yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly so we picked five committed players and it wasn't like the absolute best mechanical players but they were committed and they wanted to play and so that's what we did is we got these players together and um this time it was like eight teams qualified for like a league so it was like eight west teams eight south teams eight north teams eight east teams and then you do like round robin between all of those teams in your region and so we barely qualified for that top eight. We trained hard. We did super well. Um, and then we just, like, barely got in. We got, like, that eighth spot because we kept hitting, like, the best teams uh, during the qualifiers. And they kept knocking us out of qualifiers until we finally got into the last one. And um, then going into the league, we, we hit it hard, and we did pretty well, and we made top four, which was not something we were able to do the year before with more like mechanically talented players so it's like dang yeah like the system is working like even though this isn't like immediate results dedication the system is working yeah like the players are into it they, they love what they're doing and um we're like providing structure and so we hit top four and we ended up uh, getting knocked out in the semifinals of like the west region uh, we lost to ubc in like a very insane set and they went on to like win the entire tournament but we gave them like insanely good games. Mm-hmm. Both of the games were completely winnable, um, and they know it as well. So it was pretty wild. Everyone was super pumped, and um, we had something to represent at that point. So we had like the Washington esports jerseys. Um, we like built our Twitter brand, our Facebook brand. We started like going out on campus, um, doing like stuff as a team, doing like media opportunities, podcasts, um, got on like radio station talk shows and such, and um, we started like making ripples. And um, then uh, Heroes of the Storm tournament was announced. Uh, Heroes of the Dorm. Yeah. And uh, so they were like, huh, this Heroes of the Storm tournament is kind of like League. It's a very similar style of game, 
plus they're offering like four times as much money yeah. as uh, the league tournament was. So like league was like pretty much offering to pay one year of your college. Heroes of the Dorm was offering to pay the rest of your college. Yeah. And we're like, oh, let's do this. Um, imported three of our players from our league team, including myself. So it was myself and the Teichman twins. Uh, we had twins, actually. They were a support and jungler, a challenger duo. And um, they moved over to HOTS with myself. And then we picked up like our two best HOTS players, just mm-hmm. like at UW. Um, and then we uh, picked up a coach from... Uh, a former like pro hots team and we're just like we're mechanical gods teach us the game and so um we all got like really good at solo queue we all hit like rank one um the like rating system was if you're like rank one it's like the equivalent of being like max rank in hots i was like being 50 on halo mm-hmm. and um we're like all right now we need to learn like the objective game and so the coach like taught us all the objective game drafting like priority picks and um, we became a really good team and um, the other teams in like the college tournaments were all uh, like players that were um, like pros yeah that just like built their team around themselves and we're just like teaching them themselves while also playing yeah and we had like no pros on our team we're just all amateurs and um, went into the heroes of the the dorm tournament and did very well Mm -hmm. Um, made it to the quarterfinals and we know we could have won. Like the mistake is like you can pinpoint the mistake. It was in drafting. We completely messed up. But um, it was pretty unfortunate. But it was a really good experience, and it gave us like more exposure than ever um, because the finals were actually hosted in Seattle, and so like a lot of people were rooting for like the right. UW team. Mm-hmm. And then we went there like in our jerseys at the actual venue, and it was like there was a couple thousand people there, wow. and like, we had people coming up to us like, "Man, like we're really rooting for you guys." Um, like it's so it's like so good to see you guys you all did so well um, but it's just so unfortunate because they're all like Seattle fans uh, that want to like see the tournament and they're really hoping that we made it um, but it was like really eye opening I was like wow um, that was the moment where I kind of realized like this is what I want to do and I was like when you the, played in front of them yeah, yeah just like having people come up and be like you did so well and it's like really rooting for you um, like um, really enjoy like the interviews that you guys did on the podcast and on the streams with like the casters and such um, during the earlier rounds mm-hmm. and um, I was like man the honor like the glory just being able to represent like your school be able to represent um, like a greater community um, and just be able to like show the world what you guys are able to do I was like this is what I want and um, so then going between sophomore to junior years like we kicked everything into overdrive um, Kevin ended up uh, starting like over that summer is when we formed WGA, mm-hmm. which is Washington Gaming Association. Because uh, our biggest issue is Washington Esports. Um, so Kevin uh, was the VP of Washington Esports, um, and I was the president at that time. And um, we're like our biggest structure, our biggest problem right now is recruiting players. Um, for our league team, we had a challenger eighty carry that we picked up halfway through the season. And it's like it shouldn't be an issue that like the fact that there was a challenger 80 carry just like chilling at our school yeah and that we couldn't find him for half of the year is like problematic yeah that's like horrible that's crazy and uh, <laughs> so like that is like the number one issue we need to tackle and to tackle that we need to like centralize the entirety of the gaming community and so that's that was the focal point of creating wga was that we need a community um like an entire organization where we can just recruit all of our players out of because um, if we have like one central gaming presence on the campus, 
then all of the like potential players will like see their their like news outlets will see like the stuff they're putting out um and then in conjunction with that we need to partner up with the chinese student association the taiwanese student association the korean student association um, to reach out to all the international students as well mm-hmm. because that 80 carry was a part of the chinese uh student association mm-hmm. and um it was like an international student so he wasn't like super involved in like many of the clubs um and so we kind of like brought everything together into one brought in like the smash community we're like hey you guys want to like be part of washington esports did the same thing with csgo hearthstone we started like building all of these teams and um i wasn't familiar with these games so i just wanted to be hands-off i was like i'll run the league team i'll have seen the overwatch team because that's what i'm familiar with um this is also when i was starting to get into overwatch yeah i was, won- yeah, I was wondering and okay. um and then i was like you guys are like the game specialists like whoever is you're like esports enthusiast of hearthstone like put a team together like get your tryouts um done like tell me what resources you need and i'll like get it for you mm-hmm. and like just do it on your own um if you need like branding if you need like advertising it's like come to us like that's what being part of washington esports is for um just like did, represent the brand did you have support from the school for wga like did you at some point approach the directors or something and say like we need a budget or we need support like how'd that work um it was a very difficult process um so Often the, is with bureaucracies yeah yeah the mm-hmm. goal with washington esports and by centralizing wga and then forming an esports org that had like eight teams across eight different games which covered like all the games that our school's interested in mm-hmm. um was to then approach athletics um so our like ladder of our goals were athletics was number one if we can get into the athletics department and have them recognize us as oh like i an, see okay. like a uh, sport and we can like recruit our players on scholarship the budget goes, then yeah. um it would have been wild and so that was like our number one conversation i believe the conversation is still going but it's a very slow process mm-hmm. um second was student life um third was like admissions slash alumni association we just need to get funding in some way um and then uh, those are all conversations that are going and I believe are still going. Um, but building it completely from the groundwork and up until where it was before I left was completely like student run. It was just everyone being on that hustle and just like being super passionate about like making this part of the college experience and yeah. leaving a legacy for like future students. And um, I, think, I think we did a good job. I think it did pretty well. Uh, so that was like the entirety of the WGA Washington esports adventure um, before uh, I pursued this opportunity. So, wow. So, wild. there's a lot of stuff that came from that that I'm interested in. So, that's why I was taking some <laughs> notes because I wanted to. So, so, and well, I guess we'll get into we'll get into like your journey in Overwatch after that. But I I yeah, feel no, like totally. one of the things that is interesting about that journey. So, first of all. There's some people that like stay on games. Like there's people that they'll play League of Legends and then that will be their game and they're just kind of playing that. You kind of jumped pretty fast, mm-hmm. I think, between the next competitive game. Like okay, like this is I'm on Halo now. I'm I'm pretty good at like I'm getting really good at this. What I'm so what I'm I'm really interested in peak performance and like why people get so good at what they do. And what's really interesting to me is that you pretty much got good at every game you played. Really good like at least top level at the so so why did that happen versus other players who maybe played those games and stuck with them even for longer but did not achieve the results that you got like what was that um i think a huge part of it is mentality um in what sense 
in like your goal with why you are playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, in conjunction with your methods, is how you create success in like reaching the top in any game. Um, so doing it one time, and like Halo, for example, was like the base establishment. I like figured out the formula. And then when you apply that formula to like another game and another game and another game, like you refine the formula until you get really good at getting good at games. So what does that what does that formula entail <laughs> yeah, exactly? No, no, yeah. Absolutely. So mentality is super huge. Um, I think it's a combination of like talent, obviously, like being mechanically capable, mm-hmm. but that in conjunction with having the correct like mentality going into the game as well as sacrifice. Um, so in regards to mentality, it's. Um, wanting to go into these games with the intention of being the best. It's having like the competitive spirit and the competitive drive um, to actually be able to like self-reflect and to self-criticize um, and to understand where like the mistakes lie and like where um, like pinpoint what is holding you back. Um, so if like I'm playing Halo, like every, every game has stats, right? Um, and if you see that you're on the lower end of the stats and you like are not like pleased with that like that's the correct mentality um like league of legends for example is something i was talking to with my brother a lot he's like um because he was also like playing league and he was trying to climb the ladder and i'd already climbed pretty high and he's like hey like how do i do this yeah how do i do this i just like played insanely well i just like went 13 and one and like i couldn't carry my team and we just lost and i was like well like you realize like yeah you did super well like 13 kills that's insane um but that one death like I like I watched it happen. It was in that last team fight you made like a pretty pivotal mistake in which like you were the second one to die in the team fight, resulting in your team to die. It's like, well, yeah, like I can only carry so hard. Um, but it's like, well, your team is like winning, like them even being in that game still, like even contending the enemy team was contingent on how hard you were carrying. And so you making that one mistake was the reason why you lost. Whoa. Like it's not that like yeah, of course your teammates are bad, but that's not a factor you can control. Like the yeah. one common factor in every single game that you will play is you um so if you focus on the mistakes of like other people then you're not helping yourself like you're you're technically like if they were to take your criticism correctly like you're technically helping them but they're not going to be a factor that you get to control in the next game yeah um so it's like your one mistake in that team fight is the reason why like you guys lost that game in like the environment that is you like the controlled environment of yourself um like if you would have won that team fight like you probably would have won the game and like you would have been like dang i carried my team really hard mm-hmm. um but your mentality should be I, I like i'm supposed to carry my team if i want to climb like that is my job and um now that i've hit like this is the highest i've ever like peaked in the game is in overwatch and i'm realizing it even more and it's like when you play solo queue you see like pro players or even just like high ladder players um we get balanced with like lower level players in matchmaking so it'll be like two top 500s and then four like masters slash grandmasters mm-hmm. and um like yelling at them is like the dumbest thing you can do it may it, like boggles my mind um when you're like mad at them for their mistakes it's like you were literally like a top 500 like you were literally like on their team to carry them like you can't expect them to play at the same level as you um like it's your job to like carry that weight and um to like balance it out by like coaching them and like teaching them and like pretty much like when i, I have to play main tank yeah right and um that's not like the best carry role in solo queue and the equivalent of that is that i have to shot call so i like will li- it's like playing starcraft in overwatch i'm like telling all six of the players <laughs> where they stand where they have to be like how to walk with me how to like 
utilize their skills and rotation correctly with me, how to like use ultimates, positioning, um, like when people need to die, when people need to like clutch. Um, it like requires you to do everything. And if you can like carry that mentality into every single game, like you will always improve. Um, if you get complacent and you believe it's like, oh, I've peaked because like I'm having bad teammates, that's like, yeah, sometimes that's just the problem. Um, like sometimes you you like you can play better, but like that game was just unwinnable. Mm. Like, no one's gonna have a hundred percent win rate in any game. Um, it's just the nature of competition. But um, if you're constantly like focusing on your mistakes, then like you'll constantly be on that improvement rise. Um, and then how that comes in conjunction with sacrifice yeah, is uh, uh, um, you have to sacrifice like the time um, as well as like what you want to do versus what you need to do. So um, I had a pretty internal conversation with myself when I got into competitive gaming. It's like, what do I prioritize, having fun or being the best? Well, for me, being the best is how I have the most fun. So as much as I love my friends, as much as like I just want to like derp around with them on StarCraft and on League and on Halo and Call of Duty, like I do it like in quick play sometimes in my free time. But outside of that, it's like, guys, like I respect you all. Like you're all my best friends, but I think I am better off playing solo queue by myself. Um, like I will add the best player in my game and like try to learn from them try to duo with them until I pass them and then I find like the next best player and I'll like keep climbing that ladder if they can keep up with me then like they're totally welcome to if they get better than me then of course I'm going to want to play with them but um until that happens like I want to keep going up mm -hmm. and so like playing ranked playing solo queue is all, always about like getting better it's always about improving um climbing the ladder because when you climb the ladder you play against better players and when you play against better players you get better yourself um so I had to sacrifice like playing with my friends um, for the majority of my my playtime and competitive, um, and then I had, like I had to make some big sacrifices with Overwatch, and that um, I moved into a house with my nine best friends from high school and into college, and um, they pretty much didn't get to see me because I would practice like I would do all of the Washington esports, the WGA stuff, the school stuff, um, the jobs. And then, like, my free time was spent practicing. And it's like, yeah, I'd really love to go down and play board games with you guys. I'd love to, like, watch TV or have, like, a dinner night with the house. But it's like, that's what I'm sacrificing to achieve what my dreams are. And you knew that consciously? Mm -hmm. It was, um, it was pretty rough, but it was, like, necessary in my mind. I was like, this is, like, this is what I truly want, like, to reach that peak, to make it pro. And if I'm going to achieve that, it's going to take sacrificing, like, the wants that I have. Including um, personal wants. Like, mm -hmm. how did you, this is going to sound weird, no, no. how did you have that maturity at that age? Because oh. I feel like there's, you know what, I, you know, like, in contrast to, like, even in esports where we're dealing with the top 1.0001% of athletes like you actually rarely see that kind of conscious dedication where some people just seem to fall into the top levels of the game because they just play so much and they have portions of the right mindset but their attitude isn't driven like that like what what I know you said a little bit about how when you were when you were like first get into gaming and like you're doing starcraft and you were doing like like you still seem to have that like desire to improve even on starcraft like what did that genesis from um 
I mean, it was a quote. So I played a lot of soccer, and it was a quote that I heard actually from my dad because he was my coach when I was playing soccer pretty competitively. Um, and uh, it was pretty innate in losing that uh, the quote derived, and it was that my dad just like shouted one day we were in the car, and he was just like, you know what? I just really hate losing a lot more than I enjoy winning. And um, like going in, like in soccer, uh, we were very good. We were a state championship team. And, um, but I always saw better players. There were, like, there was always someone more physically fit. There was always someone bigger. There was always someone stronger, someone faster. Um, and like, we were top of our state. We weren't top in the nation. I wasn't able to get on like academy teams. I couldn't play on um, like the U19, like Sounders team or the Timbers team. Um, and it's it just like always seemed like there was someone that was just like out of reach. It was just like that next step, someone that put in that extra bit of time. And um, going into gaming, uh, I was just like really frustrated with that. I just, I really, it's like a mentality I've always held is that I just hate losing more than I enjoy winning. Like winning for me became something that is just required. Um, whereas losing is just something that became like unacceptable unless I'm like gaining something from it. Do you treat that the same like with everything? Or are you also that way about your physical and mental state? And... Pretty similar in mm-hmm. like everything in life. Um, I just, I don't know. I just always want to be at the top. I don't like to do anything um, without pushing my capabilities. Even like playing board games and playing like Resistance or like Werewolf or yeah. <laughs> uh, like Secret Hitler. I will always like my mind will be grinding. It'll be like the wheels will be turning. Because um, you want to like maximize efficiency, you want to like break the game. Um, I think that's why I really enjoy games, like video games, more than anything, is because there's a quantifiable environment that has every factor controlled that you can like maximize your efficiency within the rules and the boundaries of the game. And um, I actually feel like life is like that. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense, it's a lot more difficult. It is, but there are rules and boundaries in the same way. A good, mm-hmm. let's take like another thing that you've been getting into lately is weightlifting. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, it's like a very good example. Actually, this applies to most human made systems inherently have these boundaries because the designers of them think in the same way as game designers like their game designers are human and even a system like the stock market was also designed by humans and so it has these boundaries and these rules of play and it has these systems that you can actually maximize that you can learn from except that the rewards are connected to incredible success right you can make insane amounts of money if you figure out the boundaries of the system and i think that's it's actually true for everything and i also have that obsession like that complete obsession with just being the absolute best I can be at anything that I do. Like if I'm brushing my teeth, I want the most optimal <laughs> way to do that. And I'll get, I'll actually get the electric toothbrush that has like the 20% increased like effectiveness. So that I, yeah. like, but I, the, the most, the most confusing thing that I think about all the time, how, why, how does someone think that way? Because like the, the vast majority of people do not think that way. Right. Yeah. Like the va- and it's, it's hard too, because you're in an environment right now where and I guess we'll get into this later, but like like CLG, I would hope is a company of just intensely driven people where it's like 
all we want to do is win at our craft. Not only the pros in the company, but also the staff are like, we want to do the yeah, best we can at this. Yeah, and, and I would like, like not non-pretentiously, but like that's at least the culture that I'm trying to forge and that I, that I just like, I want to own that more than anybody because I know that accountability is on me. But what I, what I, the, the code I haven't cracked is like, why does the vast majority of people just say, okay, I'm just gonna go for the middle of the road and, and that, that level, or even worse, like I'm just gonna kind of like fall off and kind of let life dictate terms for me. At some point you were like, I'm actually gonna take control of this. I'm accountable to this. I'm gonna be the best. Like, mm-hmm. how did that happen? What's, what is that shift? Oh man, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking back and trying to pinpoint um, the turn in life. And I think it was a combination of two pretty significant events, um, actually. Um, so one of them was like a witness of difficulty and the other one was the experience of it. Um, so when I was like in middle school, going into high school, I was playing on a top tier soccer team. Um, we were called the Columbia Timbers and, uh, I was a very good player. Like I was really good at soccer and my dad was the assistant coach of the team. Um, and I clashed heads with the main coach's son, who was also on the team, and we played the same position. And um, I like I knew like inside I was like I'm a better player than him, but I wasn't starting. Uh, I was a starter for like the first two years, and then going into the third year, um, I stopped being a starter on the team. And I was like, why am I not starting if I'm like better than this player? I'm like more driven. Um, like I want to be better, and uh, we like we butt heads a lot. It was just personality clash. Um, he would, like mess around at practice and that wasn't something I've ever really like enjoyed doing I was like don't like to waste time um, and so like we would butt heads we would argue a lot and of course his dad would take his side and my dad would take my side yeah and um, had this one tournament in Boise Idaho um, we all flew out to Boise the main coach decided to pick up two guest players um, off of other teams to play with us and like help bolster our roster because this was like a national tournament and um, he picked up these two players that I was, like, in my mind, like, completely better than. And um, he kept me on the bench for the first three games, the entirety of the game. And we only had four games in the tournament. And um, uh, I didn't get to play a single minute. Just, like, flew out to Idaho from... For no reason. For, like, no reason. My mm-hmm. dad was, like, getting more and more pissed. And then um, in the fourth game, he, like, gave the starting lineup and I wasn't on it, and my dad, like, exploded. Like, he threw his clipboard on the ground. He's like, this is absolute bullshit. Like, like you're an asshole. Like, screw this. And um, he said we quit. And I was, like, in complete agreement. I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Um, and so my dad and I quit the team. We just, like, we left the field and went straight to the airport, and we just flew back home. Like, my best friends on the team were just like, holy crap. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just done. And um, so... We just left, and um, about a month later, my dad starting put, started putting together a team um, with the, an organization called Salmon Creek, um, or it was the town of Salmon Creek, and um, we became FC Salmon Creek, uh, the Boca Juniors, and um, he put together a team of six players, including myself. It was myself, uh, three players that we like found at tryouts, and then two players that quit another team. Um, and then that six players turned into exactly 11 players, which is enough to field, like, the field mm-hmm. um, of, like, 
other players, um, just like in the community. And then that roster turned into 16 when um, more players from that team that I quit decided to quit for like the same the same reasons. The same reasons. Yeah. And so we ended up taking a lot of the best players from that team onto our team because they were like sick of that coach. Um, and then that same year, all those players um, we just like put in the effort, put in the time. Like we're really passionate. And uh, we won state that year and beat that other team um, in, like, a tournament. And um, it was, like, one of the best moments uh, I've ever felt. It was, like, you know what? Like, I'm better than this. Like, I have potential. And, uh, like, I don't need someone else to quantify my potential. How old were you um, at this time? I think I was 12. I was 12 or 13. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was the same year I was playing a lot of Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, Did it correspond across to your gameplay? Yeah. No, absolutely. That was also when I started taking Halo competitively because I was really bad in Halo 2. I wasn't competitive in gaming at all. And then going into that next year, um, it was no longer I'm playing soccer because my dad wants me to play soccer. It was I'm playing soccer because I love soccer. It I, feels I like this. Did how much of this would you say came from your dad's attitude about approaching competition? Because it feels like even in your in your soccer career you still had this fire a little bit yeah like you're think, building it but i think a huge part of it yeah. is actually i would attribute to my dad um he's like one of my heroes one of my like biggest inspirations um but he's always had a competitive drive and he's always like encouraged uh, competition in both my brother and i um he was a professional uh, ice climber and a mountain climber oh, uh yeah. and he played volleyball beach volleyball semi-pro and he was a semi-pro um cross-country runner and cyclist and um, so he just like really liked to be fit and active and just like compete with other people. Um, so anytime my brother and I were like into it, he would just like nourish that. Yeah. Um, and then so I guess like going in conjunction with that and like a different road was uh, my brother was in the high school program called the International Baccalaureate Program, which is like a very difficult like high school academic route. And um, he was struggling in it. And uh, as a result, like my parents like getting angry with him. And so, um, going into high school, like I witnessed my brother, like having many conversations and yelling fits with my parents about like, um, the difficulty of like the classes and, um, how it was like a struggle and like getting good grades and such. And I was like, you know what? I never want to go through that. Um, so I decided to do the exact same program, went to IAB, um, and then completely, uh, kind of cut off my parents from my academic life. And I was like, I don't want you guys to ever, like, dabble. Like, you can look at my grades, but I don't want you helping me with anything. Um, and I why don't did want you, you, like, Why involved. did you make that decision? Um, because they got involved in my brother's academics. As oh, soon and as, you saw what happened. Yeah. As soon okay. as, like, he started mm-hmm. doing poorly, like, they were on him about it. And so I was like, I want to do this on my own. I don't want you guys involved. I don't want you, like, yelling at me if I'm, like, performing poorly. Um, and then I ended up just getting straight A's um, throughout the program. Uh, like passed all my like IB exams um, I just like did super well um, so it was like a combination of those two events happening at the same time this is where I kind of just decided I wanted to just like be a very competitive spirit and just like always go for the best um, just like not settle for seeing anything less than that uh, but I think that was probably the biggest turning point in my life uh, in regards to like a change of attitude so at that point, you just, like, can you describe, like, that attitude? And I know it's not, like, something that just happened. It, mm. it, it, it's, I, like, I, I know that, too, because I, I had experienced this also, right? Like, it's I was... Like developed. It is, yeah. Like, I was a really 
it, I had like a really different history because it took me so many years to get to the point you were at because I played games, but I played them as a method of like escaping mm. from the obligation of success that I eventually knew that I had to have, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like I, I had an expectation put on me from my family that was like, you're going to be exceptional. You're going to be this exceptional person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to not do that yet and 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 to push that out as long as possible so i so like it took a long time for me to get from gaming to okay like we're really gonna get after it right and Mm -hmm. so i under like that struggle is not like an overnight thing right it's it's like a really it's a really actually it's kind of like still going for me at least like like that battle's still on do you have any problems with like i i know like a lot of people especially gamers that are trying to get a lot better, they want to focus on the thing they know they need to do to get really good. But they're kind of like, uh, what's, what's the word? Like, uh, I'm thinking about Dungeons and Dragons when you get like the roots that wrap around you mm-hmm. um, and you're like stuck. Uh, I, I can't think of it in Trapped or in something like that. Yeah, um, just... You're like, like in Reddit, Twitter, and like all that, all that, like, I feel like we're, we're in a society where we're like made to be distracted at this point. Yeah. And, and that focus is a superpower. And you were able to maintain your focus throughout, like, the entirety of your journey, pretty much. And I know that's not, com- probably not completely yeah. accurate. You must have wasted time. You must have, like, oh, yeah. So, like, but how did you maintain that focus versus, like, an, like especially since you've grown up, you're, you're way worse, like, back, back in my day. We didn't, like, you know, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't have phones in high school. Yeah. Like, like, we didn't have cell phones. Like, we didn't, have, like, I don't. Like we just kicked the can. I'm <laughs> not that old, but you know what I mean. So, like, how did you maintain your focus in, so, in like that kind of world to, um, to get as good as you have? I think I could pretty confidently answer this question in that um, I was very fortunate to surround myself um, by very phenomenal people mm. um, mm-hmm. in high school and like through life. Uh, like in high school, I, the IB program was very rough. Um, I probably averaged maybe four hours of sleep a night for a solid three years in high school. Um, did that have, did outside that of the summer influence your effectiveness at all? Like, no, uh, I felt it a lot more in college. I was like, holy crap, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, but through high school, I was like, this is necessary. If I want to do soccer, if I want to do gaming, if I want to like maintain straight A's and do like all these extracurriculars to get into like the colleges I want to do, um, it was necessary. And mm-hmm. so our IB program started with 250 students and 30 of us graduated uh, full IB by the end of senior year. And those 30 of us, like, very phenomenal, like, goal-driven people um, that I, like, got to witness just, like, grow with me. And, like, we suffered, like, together. Um, The late nights, like, staying up till 4 in the morning, doing all-nighters, working on group projects. Like, we all went through that together, but all with different motivations, all different goals, different specialties. Um, so I got to witness, like, my friend Sebastian, um, he was, like, someone that was always very math-driven, um, he started creating, like, his own math theses, um, went by, like, the end of his senior year and was, like, submitting them to journals, um, while he was doing judo and is now competing on, like, the Canadian, like, younger Olympic judo team. Wow. Um, and, like, he was, like, the math guy. He was done with Calc 2 before we got into high school, um, which is when I started Calc 1. I was like, oh my goodness. Like he was teaching like 
he was a TA of our Calc 2 teacher in high school um, and pretty much taught the class like his sophomore year and everyone in the class was older than him. I was like, like that's his specialty. That's like his passion, his drive. Um, there was a girl named Isabel um, who got like straight A's and then like would win the, the National Science Symposium. Um, she was very science driven. She loved biology. She loved chemistry and she loved physics. And um, she would like go to the national competitions and would be like very social and outgoing and mm-hmm. like practice repetitions of her competition would win these competitions i was like dang like isabel's very good at like science um we had a a guy named nick mcmillan who was a world-class triathlete um he was the the fastest cross-country runner on our team uh at our entire school and he was also the best swimmer at our school and then he picked up biking so that he could do triathlons um and he was just like this phenomenal athlete. All all of these students, while like maintaining like perfect grades and the hardest like high school program that you can do, um, and it's like everybody had something they're really passionate about that they like specialized in. Whether it was like tennis, track, um, like three of us were on the soccer route. Um, we had like gamers, we had video developers, um, people that like started YouTube channels and would do video editing like in their free time. Um, and it's just like surrounding yourself by people that like have these drives and like when you like are surrounded by them like hours upon hours every single day and Skype calls with them working on projects at night um you see what they're doing and you see what they're like going after and that like pressures it, it not only pressures you but it motivates you to be like wow like what am I doing with my time when they're doing this with their time did you consciously surround yourself with those people like actively um like I need to find because you this is actually connects back to something that you were saying before which is when you are in queues with League of Legends you're, or, or Overwatch even, mm. you're constantly trying to find the person who's <laughs> higher level so that you can attach to them until you either surpass them or they just take you all the way up. Yeah. So that seems that, were you doing this consciously in surrounding um, yourself with those people as well? I guess so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd obviously like to think that we kind of like grouped each other out of like mutual drive uh, mutual drive yeah. so i was hoping that they were also you, you, trying to attach to me yeah it's not um, it's not just it's not just but no, you, definitely right? for sure i think mm-hmm. that um i wanted to just surround myself with like the best of the best because they like would set the bar um that like i knew existed um whoa that's such a cool <laughs> quote yeah <laughs> it's just uh then like once that was established it's like all right that's where like i'm aiming for and then it's like it's even more mind-boggling when you get to college and you see like a lot of the students that like are in our class, like they went to Stanford, they went to Harvard, and, mm-hmm. um, and then like you see the students that you're compared to when you get to college, and it's like a whole new game. It's like whoa. In what way? Um, like I get to UW, and yeah. I like start doing like my prereqs for the college that I want to get into uh, at UW, like the School of Education, and um, then you see that like you're surrounded, like you're in a 900 person lecture room of people that were all like your 30 man like IB class that you like grew up with really whoa like like maybe not all 900 of them but like a solid like third of them at least are all these hyper motivated people that know that they're they're there to compete with you like for like minimal amounts of spots and like they're not there to work with you but like to out um to outplay you yeah and to like get higher on the ladder than you and it's like whoa like this is just a game it's like it's a new game back to the systems and boundaries thing yeah Mm -hmm. like ib was a game in that like you're all trying to get like four o's you're all trying to get like four o's you're all trying to max out your sats um and then you're all trying to get into like better colleges than each other um and to like have more promising futures and then when you get to college it just starts like all over again it's like 
all right, here we go again. And then you have to learn the game. You have to learn the systems and then you have to network, surround yourself with like the best of the best so that like you can carry each other to the top. Um, and then uh, about halfway through that, um, I kind of veered off towards gaming because I was just like more passionate about that. And uh, I realized like school is great. I was doing very well, but um, I realized that I would have to sacrifice getting to the top in academics if I wanted to get to the top in gaming, which was what I was more passionate about. So it was like very calculated sacrifices and that like, yeah, I know I can sacrifice like 0.2 of my GPA for like one extra hour of gaming. You were um, thinking about it this way? Day. No, absolutely. Wow. It's like I can sacrifice like not doing these homework assignments mm -hmm. and still like maintain this grade so that I can still like practice with my amateur team or like still do like Washington Esports and WGA or like still have a job. Um, so you had no free time, basically. Zero. Yeah. Like, absolutely yeah. zero. Like, I was getting less sleep than um, I, like, cared to get. Like, yeah. I, I've been more rested here than I've ever been. Yeah. Um, well, that's part of this. Probably in the last, like, in, six or seven years. Intentional, because mm -hmm. I think it actually goes into being a competitor. I think a lot about that a lot. It, I don't do well on, like, four to six hours of sleep. I definitely lose the ability to cognate that I would have on, like, seven or eight. And when we are designing programs for athletes here, right? Like we are taking sleep into serious consideration yeah. because it feels like it makes a big difference in performance. But you also do it, that's contrasted against what you do what you have to do. <laughs> I remember there's, um, there's, a good, there's a good motivational story of Beyonce that she's, she didn't eat for two days or sleep because she was just on set, just getting after it, practicing yeah. her, the, the, next, the next music she's doing. And she actually said at the end of it that she didn't even realize that until the end of like the shoot and the, and the end of everything because she was so motivated and she was so driven into into doing that that she couldn't even see it. And I feel like that's like you're in that place where you you have to you're still in that place actually. Yeah, no, yeah. It's still on the grind. Yeah, but um, mm -hmm. it's being well rested. I've realized is like very necessary in mm -hmm. this kind of environment because when you're practicing. Um, like in, when I was doing like the school balance, like in college, um, it's like for your job, like you're hitting minimums, right? Um, like I'm hitting my minimums with my job, just to like make some extra money slash to help me network yeah. um, through esports. Um, I wasn't like there to just like absolutely thrive. I'm there to like keep this ball like juggling. Um, same thing with academics. I knew like I didn't want to pursue being the absolute best in academics, but I knew I could still get my degree. And, like having the degree, like plus networking would allow me to get like into a job. Um, were that to be like the route I pursued um, and then like doing the same thing with like the amateur teams like this is the absolute like necessary like amount of time I need to like stay on this team and to be better than anyone else that might try out for like this team um, but then when you get here and you specialize in one thing you realize like you put your entire mental fortitude into improvement so like when we're practicing it's not like you're going through the motions um, that's like a trap that you can never fall into and that we like constantly are trying to um, not fall into with our yeah. Overwatch team and I think that's why we've been pretty conducive in our improvement is like you can't practice you can't just go through the motions like it's not acceptable in that um, if you're practicing and not everyone is playing at their mechanical peak you're not practicing realistically hmm. um, like if like if Waffle's not hitting his shots or if like Miso's not landing his bubbles or I'm not I'm not landing my shatters like the amount that I would be in a tournament then our practice isn't what it like it's not realistic 
because the the factors that we can control are not being controlled and when we can control those factors and we're all playing at our maximum efficiency and then we also lose that's when we can like discover our mistakes um, if we're losing because not everyone is mentally there and they're not mentally engaged they're not like all playing proactively and they're not playing at like their maximum then like it's very very easy to just attribute your mistakes to not playing like as well as we can individually. So you you can't have a situation in your practices where you turn it up later for the tournament. No. You have to be at the same level that you, how do you recreate that practice environment in a scrim when you intuitively know that like the stakes are not as high? It's it's like very difficult and it's not 100% success rate. Yeah. Like we might be able to pull off half of our practice at that level, um, but it requires the gumption of every single player just like being on the same page mentally and being there to be the best and like feeling that nothing else is acceptable. This is a lot like meditation. Do you get into meditation at all? I have not actually dabbled. That's something that I definitely want to, my next seminar for this will be finding someone who can teach meditation. We do periodic seminars at CLG. So yeah, and, and so meditation, the way it works is like, you focus on just your breathing and you're trying to eliminate thought because your thoughts are like a stock ticker where it's just constant ongoing thoughts. And you start to realize when you watch your thoughts that you actually can't stop thinking. Okay. So like you're, yeah, I'm kind of getting, yeah, you're, 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 you're unable to just clear, clear your mind, but we think intuitively that we have control of this. We think that we can stop thinking, but actually you can't like you, you will literally sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to stop thinking. And you'll start thinking about the guy that cut you off when you were driving yesterday. The the the, the literally like stuff like the the dude that that punched you in third grade, and it, like wow. literally just the dumbest things will start coming up. Like your brain will fill the void. I'm relating the most when I'm trying to sleep and I can't sleep. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna stop thinking. And then five minutes later, I'm like, wait, I've been thinking for like the last. You've three been thinking about, about something like for the last. It's exactly like that. <laughs> so meditation is the conscious process of bringing that into under control. And what happens is at the first junction of it, you may get a good two or three seconds where you're like in it. And your goal is to expand that concentration. Really meditation is, is getting better. It's at concentration because, con- and I think the reason why this is so relevant today is back to that whole thing of like, focus is a superpower in our society at this point, mm-hmm. because there's so many things distracting people oh, that people can't get good at anything. So they just, they get, they get stuck and then they feel like they have no purpose. Uh, I'm reading an, an unbelievable book right now called Sapiens, which is like the history of mankind. And it goes into how a lot of our ancestors were incredible at a few things. Like they were better than we could ever be at making flint tools. They could shave down an arrowhead in a minute, in like less than a minute. And, and that would take even a modern day Fletcher a, a lot longer be, because they just don't, their sole focus isn't that we as a society know more a lot more right because we can go you and I can go to Google and we can pull up anything it's from like conglomeration of more money yeah because of that because of that combination but in terms of individual expertise there's it's it's really rare to find masters now so what has happened is those master that that lack of mastery I think has also removed purpose in a way because yeah, we, we had apprenticeship for, for all of human history. Like what you would, you would, when you grew up as a boy, you would go to your father who's a blacksmith or a knight or 
a uh, or, or or he's a, a crafter of some kind or he has some kind of mastery and you would learn that right and you mm. would be indoctrinated into that purpose and that would be happiness because you had that but now you're kind of just like shoved into the world and it's like okay good luck focus on whatever you want well there's yeah. so many options that you get totally overwhelmed right like you can't you, you can't ever focus on anything because there's so much to do and so that creates a sort of existential void because people get lost and depressed because they're like, I don't know what to do. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and so I, I think, um, to be able to, so back to meditation, when you, when you have that focus, gradually you start to extend it. And now maybe you can actually focus for a whole minute and then it has enormous benefits in your actual life because that is actually being applied to your practice, to everything you're trying to do, to your mastery. So just like your scrims, you may hit 15%, 50% full effectiveness in the scrim, but you're trying for it. So 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 it's, it's a gradual improvement. And then you turn it up that much more in a tournament setting. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. The most important thing out of everybody that I talk to about being a pro at anything is how do you... How, how do you take that energy of all those thousands and thousands of hours of practice and you're you're ready? Like a good example would be the UW talk, right? That I did when when I was at UW with you. Yeah. At SBU, I had I was ready, right? Because I'd spent hours and hours of prep on that. But at UW, because of the system, and it was like, okay, we're gonna throw you up on stage mm-hmm. now. Like it was really different. <laughs> I I probably did like maybe fifty to seventy five percent, like more poor at it like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually a way better speaker than i was at uw because being good at speaking or being good at anything is a matter of preparation yeah because you're, you're, you're preparing that energy before yeah well mm-hmm. i definitely hope that we can keep improving towards like that level um in our scrims because i think like if you're practicing in your tournament setting it'll be more natural to play at that same level yeah um when we, like the time comes your mindset is uncommon set compared to other people in Overwatch, I think. Uh, I think even in League of Legends, which is, like I guess, considered by many to be the most like far-along eSport, uh, just in terms of like development of people, coaches, teams, infrastructure, right? Both mm-hmm. on the league side and on the actual team side. There's actually a ton of teams in the top 10 that do not think that way. I'm actually convinced that CLG is the only team that focuses culturally on that infrastructure, but mm-hmm. other teams have been able to create it better than us, like TSM, that, or or SKT where they have that better infrastructure, but I don't think the actually in SKT it is, but I don't I don't know anywhere else if the corporate focus like the actual managers are, and and the owners of the company are thinking in those terms. Gotcha. And in Overwatch, I think it's probably maybe not existed outside of I mean Rogue. There must be some reason why they're as good as they are. Yeah, um, I mean they did just lose a set to the a Korean team, so oh, the really? win streak has ended. Hmm. Um, but. I think like the, the stars just aligned for them in regards to the meta, and I think the meta perfectly fit, fitted their hero pool, and they also changed the roster to match the meta. Um, you don't see the drive that you see coming out of your team and them, for example? Um, it's hard to say, because I don't really interact with them. Yeah. Uh, but they don't seem like they're out of reach. Like, no team feels out of reach. Is there a queer... So that's interesting because in league you pretty intimately know a lot of the other teams like mm-hmm. you'll know the players you'll correspond with them so are you not yeah. really spending a lot of time 
talking to and working with other players in Overwatch? Um, just not Rogue specifically. Interesting. And also, um, I mean, I personally don't network super hard with um, a lot of the pros. It's it's a game I'm still trying to figure out. Um, I'm a lot better at networking through, like, I guess, more business money, like adults. <laughs> ah, okay, um, yeah. <laughs> not, I'm not, I'm not as good as networking through memes, so I'm working on it. But um, I don't know. In my mind, they're also just competition. So like at the end of it, it's like yeah, like other Reinhardts are really cool and they're fun to talk to. But like they are who I have to be better than. Is there anything to learn from um, with them? I mean, there's nothing. I don't think anyone would teach. Interesting. And um, I'm yeah. very protective of like my information because um, like coming to CLG. Um, I could very confidently say that I was probably the weakest on the team. Really? Yes, uh, without a doubt. Um, because I was probably in the worst environment, um, and I was also uh, like barely holding on. Uh, I think they were actually planning on cutting me. Like I, I've, I've talked to them. I was like on the verge of being cut from T1P um, because of my time commitment. Um, I could only like put in a certain amount of hours into practice because of the other things I was doing. Um, and I also wasn't improving at as rapid of a rate as I think was necessary. But then coming into CLG, um, like things changed a lot. Um, There's like the environment it was really conducive and um, I was in the environment to improve. And um, I can very confidently say that I do think I'm the best Reinhardt in North America, the best main tank in North America. And um, like everyone that seemed untouchable are people that I know I can pass or I have already passed. So like getting on the team is like, oh, um, like there's all these tier two Reinhardts. There's like players like Primo Dolce and Muma and um, like XQC. And um, uh, it's like, whoa, like I need to get better than all these like names that I've seen. And then when you get better than them and like you earn the right to like scrim the tier one teams, which we did. And then like we start going against like Cloud9 and uh, like Immortals and such. And it's like, okay, now there's like Nomi and there's uh, Rib and there's Coco from Envy. And then by the time I start playing them, I'm like, whoa, like I'm better. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm outperforming them. I'm like, I've surpassed them. Um, and it's like at that point where I was like, all right, like a lot of these players have been in since beta and they didn't have to like go through the struggles. And I think a huge part of improving as a main tank was that these main tanks that are on like the absolute top tier teams is they were surrounded by the best mechanical DPS players in the game so when you look at like um envy or cloud nine for example they had like reaver and sure four and like taimu and uh, harry hook um etc and these main tanks didn't have to compensate for the lack of mechanical skill of dps um because they had the best yeah they just flat out had the best and they just had to like keep them alive whereas we like as t1p we're all like tier two players and so like if someone is underperforming, like it's on the other rules to compensate for mm. that. And so I think like we all had to compensate for each other enough to the point where we became so proficient in our roles that um, we started surpassing like the players that were being carried in the other roles. Um, so when I started playing these Reinhardts that are used to just being padded by like their insane DPS players, yeah. as soon as our DPS players caught up to them, I was like, 
<laughs> I'm gonna destroy you now. Like now that my DPS players are like on an evil, even playing field with your you, DPS you are, players. You had already been fighting to protect mm -hmm. them. You didn't have the expectation of an incredible DPS behind yeah, you. Yeah, no, like, exactly. yeah, that guy's got it. Yeah, I got it. You're it's like, like yeah. no, I got to take care of everything. <laughs> yeah, it's like our DPS players are just not at that level yet. Mm -hmm. So we have to compensate in other ways. We have to make plays from tank and from support. Um, and just like even DPS, like our DPS players are still compensating for sometimes when we're making mistakes as well. Um, and then now that I've hit a point where it's like, I think I'm at the top and there's like, they're super and they're super pluke and, um, there's like Mezzer and like Factor Fiction, all of these big name Reinhardt players that I'm just like confidently beating. And, um, like it's been a really good improvement. It like feels really good, but obviously in a game like Overwatch, like you can't get complacent. Yeah. So at this point, especially this like, early. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, all about I'm... striving for the perfect game. Yeah. So until I have a perfect game, it just like will never feel right. Um, and with Reinhardt, it's a lot of mind games, and playing a perfect game is very difficult. Yes. But ensuring that you have a higher percentage of success rate is like where you have to be. So um, feeling pretty good. I hope that. The committee gives me a trout for the USA team, which has been pretty frustrating for me. Oh, um, really? Because they're doing like the the World Cup team. So there is the World Cup for Overwatch coming up, and uh, they left it to the community uh, to vote in a committee. And um, ten people were nominated by Blizzard to be the committee of um, every qualifying country, which was thirty-two, I believe. And uh, ten, ten what? Ten esports people or yeah, ten, ten just like analysts, okay. casters, people from coaches, the community, yeah, ex pro mm -hmm. players, etc. Um and uh for the USA, uh actually none of our casters got in and none of our analysts got in. But um one of the people nominated was Stir, um mm -hmm. who had the largest YouTube following and uh he got voted in probably through his YouTube viewer base. Um then there was Kai Kai who used to play for Cloud9 and is now the coach of Envious, who is um, our saving grace for the USA team. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last is a guy named Jason Kaplan, who is a very small caster, um, who <coughs> we all have suspicions that he got voted in because his last name is Kaplan. And everyone thought he was Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> because he beat out Monte Cristo, Doa, um, Hexagrams, Flame, and, like, I, I still don't really know who he is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, so they are doing 12-person tryouts mm -hmm. um, of all the USA players. Um, so six, two teams of six, and they're just, like, screaming each other, and they're, like, deciding based on that. And um, I, unfortunately, have not been invited to try out yet, um, which is relatively frustrating. Uh, the two main tanks that have been invited, from my knowledge, given that um, our up-and-coming player is one of the players that are trying out, um, is uh, that factor or, uh, fact fiction from FaZe Clan is trying out as well as Super from LG Evil? Um, What's the importance of this event? Uh, you get to play in the World Cup. That's what was the event at BlizzCon uh, last year. Yeah. Um, same thing. Yep. Okay. Same thing. It's just. Uh, well, I this mean, also I wanna... culminated BlizzCon. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I well, mean, I personally to... want to do it like one for publicity, two like I want to represent USA, and oh, three yeah. because like. I think that I will give the USA the best chance. And so it's like, reasons. I yeah. want mm -hmm. us to win, and I know that we will do best if I am the main tank of the team. Um, so it was, it was just the most frustrating thing yesterday because we had two scrim blocks, and we scrimmed LG Evil and FaZe Clan. 
which had the two Reinhardts that are getting to try out for the oh, USA team right now. Yeah. And I have four hours of VODs of just destroying both of them. And uh, <laughs> it is so frustrating <laughs> because I know I'm, I'm better than them and I know I can outperform them. Um, and it's just about like the committee recognizing. It's just like they're like older players. They've been in the pro scene for longer um, and they've like shown more results. Um, but uh, we'll see. I hope I get an invite later down the line because they've been like rotating players in and out. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Mikado got invited to try out today. That's cool. Um, so I'm really excited for him yeah. uh, for the Lucio role. Um, but I did find out the other players that were invited to play or to try out and um, like some of them aren't even on teams right now. Uh, it's really frustrating. They're like streamers slash like solo queue stars. And it's like, that's pretty unfair when zero players from CLG got invited um, to compete and like three players from FaZe Clan did and we've been like we're way above them right now uh, We beat them in tournaments. They're not even like getting invited to tournaments right now, but they invited half their teams to try out Brand um, is really important. Yeah, especially when you've got some marketing person looking over it and they're Absolutely. like How do I get the most eyes on this which is probably what they're thinking about? I mean, I can't speak for them, but that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and it's just my suspicion like coming from that world mm -hmm. and you the way you think about it is you miss this shot, but if you're as good as you are and you're working on building your brand, like you're at the pretty, this is a really long tail. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, we're not exactly. like, when I'm interviewing League of Legends people, like we're talking like we're five years into a, a sport because yeah. we are five years into a sport, right? Exactly. You're point, point 0.8 years into a sport, <laughs> right? Not even like, if you, if you think Just about started. the Overwatch League, like that actually might be where most people consider that the sport starts. Mm -hmm. It probably will be. No, exactly. Yeah, like like five years down the line when people are writing exactly. history books about this stuff, right? Like or mm -hmm. blogs about like yeah, so you're like right at the right at the cusp of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, for me you have a lot of chances to fail. Like uh, and still win. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, for me it's just like this would be a super cool opportunity that I would oh, love yeah. to experience. Uh, if I don't end up getting it. Um, I mean I would I would just be most frustrated if I don't get the chance to even try out. Um, because I do think things would be different if I do get to try out. Um, so just like even giving me the chance, um, and if I don't get it after that, it's like, all right, at least I got to try, right? At least you saw what I was capable of doing. Um, but then outside of that, it's just like, well, if I don't get selected, then it's just on me for the next tournaments to show them why they were wrong and, um, to show the community that I would have been the better pick. So like coming up into our tournament this weekend, like I plan on, I mean, like, the FaZe Clan main tank isn't even, like, their team wasn't even invited to the qualifiers for it. Um, so, like, I won't get a chance to beat him out, but the other player is in the other side of the bracket. So, um, that's my opportunity. And then yeah. there's another tournament afterwards, and then there's always Overwatch League, which is when everything will matter. So, um, I mean, like, it's just going to drive me even further. Like, if I don't get on the team, it's just like, all right, like, I'm even more motivated now to prove, like, that you were wrong. Um, so we'll see. What are your we'll uh, What are your thoughts on the league as a player? On the Overwatch League as yeah. a player, um, scary. <laughs> Why? Uh, I mean, we're all in the dark. Um, like we don't know like the future of what is going on. I mean, we as players have witnessed eight teams in the last week and a half um, get dropped by their sponsors, and so that's like forty eight players that just had like their dreams crushed. Yeah. Um, like obviously they can still get picked up on other teams and such uh, it's all performance based but um, like in regards to like job security wise it's like it's a little spooky um, 
and it's also like without the amount of information like the minimal amount of information on the league it's just like wow we all we're all, we're all making like really big sacrifices to do this like of course i would have want, wanted to do this no matter what just for yeah. experience like i would have been kicking myself for the rest of my life if i didn't oh yeah get to experience my dream but then it's like how do we like take it even further right that's how do we like get to the next step and will like our next step come to fruition um it's, it's slightly nerve-wracking, but, like, we're all confident because we know it's a really cool game. We know Blizzard um, is putting a lot into it, and this is not something that they want to fail. Like, obviously, we don't want it to fail. Of course, yeah. they don't want it to fail as well. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I'm pretty excited. I think it'll do well, and I you think do? it will pick up steam. And um, just because, like, I have faith in Blizzard as a company um, to pull it off. It's a really if you build it, they will come type marketing strategy. Yeah. And and I don't know. Well, okay, I'll say this, right? That's never been done in esports before. Exactly. So so that's, or, or really it's, yeah, it's never been done in video games before where you can get a pretty good idea of how well something is going to do by following it on Twitch. Exactly. And, it's usually been community driven into yeah. company support. And Overwatch is not impressive on Twitch right now yeah. as we speak today 2017 may because someone might be listening to this years later right mm-hmm. it, it, it pretty much it's maintained by a couple of like really strong personalities moon moon right like you've got mm-hmm. people who are are kind of like carrying that from a spectator perspective it also feels like things kind of need to improve right because oh, yeah. I'm I'm very familiar with every champion in the game. Played mm-hmm. a lot of Overwatch. I, I have no idea what's going on most of the time. It's really hard to keep track of without a thirty thousand foot view mode that's like, here's what's going on. Yeah. But you fundamentally have to recode a lot of the game and um, to do that. My faith in Blizzard being able to achieve this is derived through what they did with Heroes of the Dorm. Oh really? And that it was broadcasted on ESPN to um, mostly people that weren't familiar with the game and they completely simplified the game and explained like mechanics like before game started they explained like the entirety of like the map objectives what heroes can do um, how the game works in general um, for the general populace like to the point where my parents could understand like what is happening and they could actually cheer but me on but it didn't get the viewership correct correct but I think that's just uh, in conjunction with the popularity of Heroes of the Dorm or Heroes of the Storm in general um, oh, in terms of game. its like actual player base, yeah, yeah. Um, but just like the methodology of like dumbing the game down and making it more viewable, uh, I think Blizzard like, did a good of... job yeah. with Heroes of the Dorm. And um, we've seen like if you look at the job listings for Blizzard, they're looking for like professional spectators for like camera work inside game. Mm. Um, like obviously, probably for Overwatch League. Um, so they're probably going to be training people to be using the spectating system like perfectly for viewership. So you were um, a StarCraft II guy, and so you knew like the casting on that game mm-hmm. was I, that that is where I actually had the passion to get into esports from. Believe it or not, is like yeah, StarCraft casters, Tasteless, Artosis, Day Nine. I watched mm-hmm. every episode of Day Nine Zerg openings and how to do six pools, how to do nine pools, eleven on for, with Day Nine. In fact, I meet everybody in esports now. Like I meet everyone from I've met the CEO of Activision. I met Bobby Kotick. I met all the I met Elon there too. I met like a lot of these people that are really high level. The only person that I really flipped out meeting was Day Nine, because like I just it goes all the way back to that right. And like I, I feel like Overwatch 
um, kind of is starting to build that infrastructure of really good personalities, that's going to matter so much when you're carrying that game. No, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, I've said this before. It hurts league. Like I, I think it, I think it really hurts league is you, you get casters who are sometimes just very overly analytical, and they're talking about things that estrange the normal public. It's one of the reasons why I really like David, uh, a freak, is mm-hmm. because he, I think he's like a fantastic caster because he's able to like bring it in and just like bring the hype, right? And like relate yeah. it so that even though you may not know what's going on in the game, you know what's going on. And I think like half of Overwatch, I'd say half, I don't know, but a big percentage of Overwatch League's success is actually going to be getting that infrastructure right. That. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think if they can pull in the, the right casters and uh, the right like spectating system with the correct spectators, um, just to make the experience like more enjoyable for the viewer, uh, they can pull it off. Yeah. Because uh, it's a very cool game. Overwatch is a very complex it game. And it's very fast-paced. How do you feel like the skill cap of Overwatch relates to games like, since you're a kind of multi-game mm-hmm. dude, like, how do you feel like it relates to StarCraft 2 and League? Mm. It's... Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, the thing is that with League, um, the only reason why I would say like League has a higher skill cap is because there's more heroes in the game, okay. more champions in the game, um, so the meta is less defined. Like obviously, like League has a very closed off meta compared to like Dota, um, yeah. like the like champion pool for the most optimal. Because of Dota's focus on items, that's why. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, like League still has like work to do there, but it's still like. The amount of heroes that are meta in League is still like larger than the amount of champions that exist in Overwatch, Overwatch like, yeah. entirely. And it's part of the balance team's actual decision. The balance team actually tries to open up as many characters into the meta as possible. Exactly. It's one of their success metrics in League. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this last meta has been phenomenal for Overwatch because so many teams have been able to define themselves uh, with different team compositions. Why so, is that? Uh, the previous meta, mm-hmm. you had to run triple or quad tank. That was That's, it. Yeah. Like you ran, you ran, uh, Roadhog, Zarya, Reinhardt, Anna, Lucio, and then either Soldier or Diva, uh, maybe a Genji. But like you had to have at least three tanks, maybe four. In this meta, every team is different. Hmm. You can run triple tank. You can run quad tank. You can run any combination of triple tank uh, with a random DPS. Like you could have Soldier Anna. You can have McCree and Yada. You can have a uh, Fair Mercy. Um, you can be like Rogue and go triple DPS. Uh, you can be like us with our old comp and run 2-2-2. So run like double dive tank with double dive DPS um, and like fast like mobile supports. Um, and every single team has defined like their own playstyle. Like Selfless was game breaking when they like came out with their uh, Reinhardt, Roadhog, Soldier, Tracer, um, and a Lucio comp. It was like unbeatable for a while except by Rogue. Uh, but that comp was only like capable of being used by them. Like, they, like, specialized in that comp. That's awesome. We sped it, like, the CLG comp, like, what was called CLG comp was Diva, Winston, Pharmacy, uh, Lucio, Tracer. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, they're running CLG right now. Um, like, when we say we're going to run Cloud9, that's, like, we're running uh, Roadhog, Diva, Reinhardt, um, Soldier, and Lucio. That's, mm-hmm. like, Cloud9's definitive comp. Like, we've all evolved into different compositions, and we're more flexible now. That's so cool. But those were, like, our team-defining, like, meta compositions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what has been so successful in these last few uh like this last month or two in overwatch is that they balance the game to a point where like almost everything is viable really Mm -hmm. so aside from like a lot of the defense heroes which they're gonna struggle a lot with making viable yeah um they've like they've pulled it off and like the meta especially with the help of the koreans 
um, they're a lot more um, willing to be uh, explorational with weird stuff. Weird Same stuff. as League, yeah. So like, mm -hmm. they're the ones that discover that Sombra can be viable on mm -hmm. like defense of two CP. Like you can literally just like get rid of Lucio and run a Sombra now. Um, because like she just keeps all the health packs um, hacked and you mm -hmm. just like farm EMPs every single fight. Um, and it's just like a different take on it, but it like brought Sombra into meta because before she was just like, oh, this new hero is horrible. Yeah. Um, but the Koreans are like, no, she's actually she's really, actually really good. good. Yeah. It's just she did take um, a buff in between that, but yes. it, but people still thought she was bad after her buff for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, How, is the Korean seat for Overwatch pretty big? Yes. Yeah. It's huge. It's wow. like it's really big. Massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's doing super well. Probably better than the NA scene is doing, but that's because they have Apex. Um, so they have like the Korean League for Overwatch that only oh. like two outsider teams get invited to, which are Rogan Envious. Is that sponsored by Blizzard in some way? I mean, it uh, has to it's be supported by Blizzard. Yeah, like, but it's, it's not. Allowed. It's a separate league. Mm. Yes, it's not like over, like it's not Blizzard run. I don't believe. How's that gonna yeah. relate to OWL? Do you know? No idea. You no know idea. Yeah, absolutely. There's so no little we know. Idea. There's so little we know. Yep. Yeah, even on my side, like I know some stuff, but really, it's not a big gap. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's there's there's a lot of I, they're playing it very close to the chest for whatever reason. Mm. Yeah. It will be interesting. We'll see be. how they play it on the table. Yeah, it will be very interesting. So. But, um, yeah, in summation, Overwatch can be pretty cool in regards to like meta and variability, and mm -hmm. compared to like League and StarCraft, in that um, things can be very different. It won't be very like hyper calculated. Teams can pull out wild strategies. They can pull out stuff that you've never seen before. Um, and I think that's what makes it really cool. And it's also helped by the fact that there's so many different maps. And, like, you have to play on all the different maps. And yeah. heroes have different um, capabilities on certain maps. Like, yeah. meta is different per map. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the viewership experience will be really solid. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested, too, that oh, there's just so much cool stuff that can happen. Because <laughs> you, 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 might, you might put the thing on a whole different distribution network. And because you did that... All of a sudden, there's millions of people that are introduced to it that would never have been exposed to it before. Exactly. And, and that's a really cool opportunity. Like that's why I think there, there's a lot of quotes that says, uh, "I think the best quote I've heard about the OWL is that it'll either set esports ahead as an industry ten years or behind as an industry ten years." Yeah. Yeah. And that's the that's the coolest way to describe it. No one really knows which one, but it's awesome that they're taking the risk of the ambition. Yeah. No. Exactly. And for, for you as a player and, and your future, like, what does all this mean? Like, coming to, I guess, like, what we, what we didn't cover was, like, your arrival at CLG. Mm -hmm. and, um, so maybe you should tell a little bit of that. <laughs> and we can kind of lead that into, like, how, how did, um, what does this all mean to you? And, like, what, and like where do you want to go as a, as a person? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I mean, I guess from the start with CLG, I was playing on the amateur team T1P. Mm-hmm. Um, while doing all the college stuff and the, the other stuff um, yeah. I talked about earlier. You're doing four jobs, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, Miso, I believe. Um, we were, we're an amateur team. We were being contacted by some like smaller orgs, some very like scammy-looking orgs, um, some sketchy stuff. Um, and then Miso was contacted by CLG about streaming, so about being picked up as a streamer. Um, and That's then, right. so he was going to follow through with that, but then he was also inquired about the team that he played for, which was us. And um, so we had the opportunity to do a group interview. And so I was like, all right, that's no problem. I've done interviews like 
all the time. Like, this is no problem. Um, and uh, so went to the interview with Matt and um, did my best to leave a really good impression. Um, yeah, and you did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely talked a lot. Um, dominated a lot of the conversation um, just because, like, they weren't all super experienced with like interviewing mm -hmm. and like being in the real world. And you had by this time had a ton of podcasts and stuff that you had done from UW, so you were mm -hmm. already in it. Yeah, it was it was pretty natural. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Matt wanted to do one on ones, and he wanted he like set like hour time blocks uh, for each of us. Yeah. And uh, so I had to call in some reinforcements, and um, so I was actually applying for a write internship my freshman year of college. Oh um, no way. And uh, for community programs, and um, one of my contacts at Riot, uh, Preeti Kanalkar, uh, she was like mentoring me through the process. And I got to the last round of interviews on site, and it was between me and another UW student. Um, I won't go into that, but he ended up getting it. I was not pleased. Uh, um, but he was a junior, I was a freshman, it made sense. Um, and like m the main criticism was just like lack of experience. I was like, yeah. I guess I'm pretty young still, um, but uh, pretty like mentored me through that. She gave me seven to eight hundred hours of interview experience uh, with her alone, like just purely mentoring me because she like saw potential. Um, phenomenal person, and uh, so I was like pretty. Uh, we have interviews with CLG, and she's like, no way. Um, I was like, and uh, the majority of the players on our team have never done an interview yeah. before. <laughs> and she's like, oh man, round two. And so our one-on-one -on -one interviews were actually the next day. Uh, I didn't do any of my homework that night. Um, and we spent 14 hours from the end of our group interview um, to like three in the morning when she finished doing her last practice one-on-one -on -one with our last player. Um, uh, at like three in the morning, we finished like all of our practice interviews, like got everybody like well versed and like comfortable uh, and not just giving like one word answers yeah and, like actually being able to survive an interview and um then we we, uh, we strategically set up our interview times i went first um and was uh a little uh <laughs> i don't even know how to put it but uh, i helped them out with the questions on uh, they were going to be facing <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see like it's so funny because I never saw this from my end right yeah like no. what what I, what happens like on my end is like Matthew comes back and is like dude this team is freaking amazing they're so driven they're so hungry and like this guy Brian like he just wants he just like he's just amazing and I'm like great like we'll pick him up like I was the one that like once I was the one that was like leading the so when when Matthew comes back he says oh, I had a great group interview I'm like all right break it into one on ones let's do what's like let's try it out so like we're planning this in real time that's so interesting <laughs> no, yeah we, we planned like I never our see the exact side of it. placement I was like okay I'm gonna go first we're gonna have a one hour like we're gonna say no one can do the next block so that I can like help you guys out with all the questions and yeah let you know what to expect and then we like spaced everyone out based on like how good Preeti thought they were at like the interview so we like surround. Like the people that didn't feel as experienced at the interviews or were pretty nervous with like people that were like super confident about the interviews. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I guess we did a pretty good job. Uh, since, Incredible uh, job, yeah. Um, we made it and then uh, went to BlizzCon. A really good friend of mine at Blizzard, um, Tom, uh, invited me to go to BlizzCon, mm -hmm. um, did the BlizzCon thing and uh, met you guys there. Told you just a bit of the story at UW. <laughs> and... Uh, um, got to meet you guys and uh then we got a verbal commitment to be part of clg and uh, i was like <laughs> it's it's so unreal 
it still feels unreal. It's like, well, like my dream job came to fruition and um, we're just doing it now. Yeah. And um, from there, it was just drive. Yeah, it was the the most interesting thing. One of the most interesting things for me to watch is like a person's transition into this company and like how they what they were doing before was even you guys that I think were so motivated and so driven you all had kind of like subs like other stuff you were doing right yeah. like you had a, like, like everybody did like not just you with, exactly with, with you everybody. Dub, but and, and so you were all kind of like envisioning this future where if you were able to kind of just sit in a house with a coach and 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 actually go you'd be so much further ahead right no exactly yeah Exactly. And, and to watch people transition that environment, I mean, our first real interaction was Vegas, yep. where we all get an Airbnb and <laughs> we're doing MLG Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. And then we do like that on stage, like like thing, which I'm still convinced like I'm never gonna get better pictures of me, like <laughs> I'm never gonna get better pictures of me unless I have uh, Oreo is a photographer there and Enrique his brother. Those guys just are amazing. Uh, and if I'm lucky, I can schedule a photo shoot with one of them to get pictures like that. Like we, we did, so we did the onboard interview with Rachel, like up on stage, mm-hmm. talked about the, like, like the team. We get memed about, about that all the time. Do you by still? The other pro teams. Why? Yeah, they said it was the oddest thing they've ever seen. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> because we weren't actually like playing in the tournament. So yeah, it's just all like. All the teams that were there, they just like talked to us like, yeah, that was we just still didn't really know what was happening. We're like, what are they doing? <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, they basically just gave us a segment, and they're like, okay, you get one minute. And we're like, yeah, we're going to take seven, seven minutes. We're going to just, we're just going to completely ruin this broadcast. And we don't even have anything to do with this this tournament. We're just taking it over. <laughs> yeah. It's whatever. Yeah, and, and then, like, like a lot of people were hanging out at the booth, too, because you guys were, mm-hmm. were gaming and, like, playing games with them all the time. That worked out, and we had that Airbnb, so we played board games at yeah, night. We got no, to meet fun. each other, and it was, we went to that board game cafe. Yeah, that was Mox. so cool. Was it Mox? No, it wasn't Mox. It was... The one with the little person. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's their, their symbol. We played uh, played uh, social deduction games, which has then become a staple of CLG. Yeah. The social deduction games. And that was a really cool thing. Like, I knew you guys were so cool. And then, like, actually, you got the gaming house pretty fast after that. Mm-hmm. We actually moved. One of the things that when I first came into CLG, I was a lot more worried about how our infrastructure would actually translate into working. So, mm-hmm. like, we would have the vision of the thing that we wanted to do. Like, yeah, let's get the Overwatch team into this house with six computers and a coach. But that when that translated into things of other esports in the past, like if, if you were here like a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. there would have been much more along the lines of like what would happen in another esports company where it's like, yeah, that's going to take like six months or whatever. But I'm wow. like, like I was really well prepped on this. And I told you as much, right? I was like, yeah. we're going to actually do this. And so I think it was like not even a month from there that you guys all got in. Yeah. And then Henry By came January in. January 18th. Henry came in way like two one and a half months later yeah which is a good time frame mm-hmm. and henry is i think pretty but what do you think about henry i like henry a lot. yeah i mean <laughs> he's a goofy guy he's fun to be around um but like he can be like the authoritative figure that you need when uh, the shit's hitting the fan yeah so <laughs> it's necessary yeah that's awesome it's, it's like um i mean the benefit of coach in general is just uh, like smoother communication loops, like feedback loops between players. Um, it's like less conflict driven and more logic driven. I see. Um, like less emotion, more logic. Mm-hmm. And um, you like get a lot more done. You feel a lot more confident in bringing up a topic or bringing up a mistake, um, knowing that the conversation is going to be mediated as opposed to like devolving into a yelling fit. Yeah. Um, so having coaches like it's really phenomenal. 
so what's so you get into CLG and now like you're practicing and you've jumped the ladder, right? I think. Yeah. T1P started at 39, 30, 40, top 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you guys are. Uh, it's kind of hard because Ghost is interesting. Yeah, it we're is. like we're better than some of the teams that are ahead of us. Yeah. They're just not playing in tournaments on purpose, so they don't like lose they points and lose it. their sponsor. Yeah. Um, but uh, like we're theoretically ranked ten right now in NA, but I think we're very confidently like six or five. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and could even like push for one or two. Uh, wow. On like a good day. Because mm-hmm. we do well against like top five teams in scrims, and uh, we just haven't gotten to play all of them in tournaments yet. What do you feel like? So, what do you feel like is your future as a player? Like, um, y- you've you've come this far and like covered all this history and all this ground. What do you want to be remembered as, or what do you what do you want to accomplish? Um, I want to be a player that other people can look up to. What, um, what does that mean to you? Someone that fought all the way from the bottom, like all the way up and was given a chance and made the most of it. So um, being one of the few players that actually got into the pro scene while like doing the college gaming scene um, and then like not even being like a phenomenal player but like given being given the chance and put in the right environment and making the most of it and showing that like by having like the right drive, like it takes more than just being good up until a point of getting signed, but it takes like continuing past that like never stopping like just never thinking that you've achieved it it's just always like ongoing so like even now like, you just still have to be better um do you have a place you're going like is there an is there an end point um i mean obviously like in my mind i have uh like hopes it's like it's all contingents um upon like certain factors but uh like being the best player is obviously number one if overwatch picks up it's to be like on the number one team to be the best team or to like not as be on quant- the best team as but quantified to, by what um like winning tournaments winning worlds if they are to exist um uh just being like known as the best main tank that the scene has ever witnessed um and it's not just like being on the best team but it's like being the factor or one of the factors that makes it the best team i see to be like oh yeah they're the best because like they have like these players um like and hopefully like you'd want it to be like all six of them um but i will at least make sure that i am on that list um i don't know after that like assuming overwatch doesn't work out um like whether i pick up another esport or whether i use this opportunity um uh, like as a networking opportunity uh to be like yeah i pursued my dreams like i not only got the chance to like have a dream and to have it be like something that you can pursue but to actually make it and to have it be like part of an experience in my life that i can like tell people about and to be like the pinnacle of like something i want to get back to um like because passions are always evolving like i may not always want to be a professional gamer like when i'm 40 years old like it won't be possible um but to know that like i was able to be passionate about something and to achieve like the pinnacle of it um and to like bring that mentality and bring that experience into the rest of my life um, and to apply it to different passions, to different pursuits. Um, it's just never stop improving. Um, like if I hit 40 and I want to like pursue a career in esports, not like as a player, but, um, like as a manager or like to be like one of the people that are developing the Overwatch League for like pioneering, like the change in esports. Um, like 
it'll be something I don't know uh, where my passions will develop to or um, where I'll want to go but um, I want to at least be able to apply this experience um, to whatever it is awesome that's super cool <laughs> what is um, what is something that you would want to tell uh, so there's a lot of like gamers out there um, it's a lot of people look up to you and, mm-hmm. and I guess we'll start with what what is something you wish you knew on on a journey to being what to, to becoming what you are becoming um i wish i knew from the start that it was achievable that he was it wasn't just like it, it's fathomable it's not something that is like there are people that are just born better and they just like get the opportunities like correctly like they're just happen again to close beta and put all their effort into it and it worked out um or they're just like innately mechanically better it's that's like it's actually just possible uh, for anybody uh, for like you put your mind to it and you like have the right drive and the right mentality and you put like 100 percent of your effort and your mental fortitude towards it um it's like achievable there's no one that is untouchable um like yeah like even players like faker like they can all be caught up to like yeah they're they're total anomalies uh, or perceived anomalies in the sport and the game um, but doesn't mean that like you can't be that like that is possible and um, I wish the younger me realized that earlier because like in league I pretty much gave up on league because I was like there's no way I could ever catch up to like what all of those players are really even when I was like right on the cusp I was like I challenged I was like there's no way I can like get even better and uh, now with overwatch I realized like I was right on the cusp and then I was fortunate enough to get signed by CLG and be put in the right environment and that propelled me into like becoming one of the best if not the best and so um, I would definitely tell myself to just never think anything is too big um, and for like up and coming uh, gamers or people that like want to be in the same shoes just like take the same mentality um, but to be realistic about it um, what do you mean? in that uh, I kind of talk, dabbled on it like at UW it's um like to don't think that it's going to require minimal effort uh if you're like silver or bronze yeah. yes exactly mm-hmm. it's just all self-awareness um if you're like a silver player or a bronze player yeah it's like you can become pro it's just know that the journey is longer and it's going to take more effort and it's going to take a lot of self-awareness and understanding like your capabilities and how to improve upon your capabilities um to like make no excuses um it just takes a lot of work so true dude like i, I had a a dude come up to me at UW and he was like, uh, I want to be the CEO of an esports team like CLG. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, cause I, I, when someone comes up to you, they don't always know exactly what they want. And yeah. I asked them questions like you qualified. I said, what do you want to do? What, what do you, what do you, what, what are you trying to become? So you can kind of clarify how they're asking their question. Cause their mm-hmm. question may be something like, um, how do I get better at business? But what they're really wondering is like, you know, how do I do this thing? And, I, so I started, so, so he asked me, he goes like, you know, I really, I, I, I clarified it. I was like, how do you, I wanted to know like the organization that he wanted to start. So mm-hmm. he said like, I want to start an organization that's like CLG. I want to be a top esports team. And I said, I was like, do you play video games? And he's like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, you know, do you, do you like sleep late typically? Like, you know, yeah, of course. Right. Like, like, do you, I'm like, you're going to need like from the level that you're at to be at that level of running an organization like CLG Caliber, you're gonna to need to work every single day yeah. because it's not just enough that you cross the chasm between where CLG is at and where X is at. Mm-hmm. It's you actually have to also 
fall go faster because I'm still moving, right? Yeah, like 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 CLG is still moving, so all your competition is still moving. So you have to go faster than Faker. You have to go faster than CLG if you want to do that. And self awareness is really important. A lot of people they say they want it and they want to put CEO or professional player on their LinkedIn profile yeah. or, or their Twitter profile, right? But they don't really want it because the hunger and the drive that it requires to get to that point, it, 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 it takes an insane. I mean, one of the things that I loved about what you said about sacrifice and, and not just sacrifice in terms of your little gameplay things, but in terms of your mm-hmm. personal enjoyment and in terms of like your life that you see everybody else going out there and, hey, we're going to play board games tonight. Hey, we're going to have fun tonight. Because that's the MO of most people. Yeah, and you say exactly. consciously, no, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to stand. I'm going to practice on this. I'm not going to have the fun because it's going to pay off that much later. Yeah. yeah. It's not even immediate results. It's, it's an never immediate. Of it's never immediate. Months and months and months. And you, it's the same as like working out. Like, it's exactly this. It's the same as anything that's progression exactly. based. You can't even see the results for the longest time. It, like, uh, so, so this is a this is an awesome subject because I, I feel this very strongly about this with two things that I do a lot, which are yoga and jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I'm consistently. I think there's a lot of value in being the worst person in the room at something. Yeah. And I oftentimes try to be the worst person in the room at something. I. For whatever reason, I've seen a few men that have broken this code, but it seems like in yoga, most men just have a serious disadvantage over women. To the tune of like, I can be doing yoga for eight or nine months and a woman will go in for maybe a month and she'll be way past me in terms of flexibility. Just the the, the body composition makes more sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm always the worst in that room and you don't ever see it. And like, it becomes this, it becomes depressing because people people will like beat it for a while and they'll be like i'm not making any progress yeah i might as well yeah. give up and that's insidious in the sense that like that even hit you in league right like you're, you're just like there's no way that i can reach this level of being a master at this but it's just not true and and it's and it's often you you actually realize something that was really important in that conversation with yourself which was like it's actually the cusp of when you're right there that you quit yeah you're exactly. right about to be that good I, I honestly then, would have never recognized that if I never had this opportunity. Like in my mind, I was always just like, man, it's just, I like hit a wall, I yeah. hit like a ceiling, I hit a personal ceiling. And um, now that I have this opportunity, like in hindsight, I'm able to reflect and say, wow, like it just took like a little bit more, mm-hmm. a little bit more effort, a little bit more drive. Life is so crazy like that. <laughs> yeah. You don't actually see the results of the success that you're trying for. And until in a really funny way, you almost stop caring about it. Mm-hmm. You're just like, like you made a, a conscious commitment in your life. I am going to be the best. I'm going to be successful. And now whatever happens, happens. Exactly. Because this is this is the thing. Mm-hmm. So, so this is what I'm going for. I can keep failing forever. And there's a little bit of apathy there where it's like, all right, like I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna mess up, I'm gonna be the worst in the room at things. You mentioned several times when you went on your your heroes team or no your your storm of the 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 sot yeah no no before that the 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 moba in starcraft 2 oh sodas yeah sodas you said you were the worst in sodas and Mm -hmm. and and you were consistently never picked for teams most people would just be like screw this game i'm not having fun like i'm not actually getting any opportunity like i'm never going to be as good as these guys but you Mm -hmm. kept sitting in that lobby waiting for people to pick you and then someone else identified that hunger and they said hey 
you're actually, you actually want this. I'll teach you. Then you got picked for that all the time. Right. Yeah. It It's that pinpoint when people quit that life is like just waiting to give it to you and, exactly. and you walk away. Exactly. And like, you will never recognize it. It's really difficult to recognize like outside of hindsight. Um, but it just takes like pushing, yeah. just pushing yourself further. Yeah. And, 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 I, and like that little bit of that apathy where I think you're at the point where it's like, if you just take a colossal hit, I feel like you'll just be like, yep, par for the course. I'm in. Let's <laughs> yeah. keep going. Yeah. No, exactly. Let's keep going. That's, exactly. And that's what I think every gamer and every person that's really trying for this, because there's two, I, I see esports as two sides of it. And we're, we're two sides of the same coin in the sense that like you're inspiring the, the, the hundreds of thousands of people that are trying to become professional or grow into their dream of being a part of esports as a competitor mm -hmm. and on that side. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to inspire people on the business side that it's like, you may not have that mechanic. I I've said this before is I don't believe in talent, but like you may not have that mechanical impetus mm -hmm. or that desire to improve in that yeah. way, but you can do any of the, 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 the other things that all of the staff here do to make it possible. Right. Absolutely. You can have a unique skill set that, uh, we, we have cooks, we have physical therapists, we have people that are, are, are taking care of the business logistics. We have accountants, right? We have people that are doing amazing work behind the scenes. Yeah. One of the reasons I started this podcast was to talk about people that don't, people don't realize like, like what's going into this, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a whole huge business. You could be a CEO. You can be, you can be that stuff. If you apply that exact same level of discipline, what's beautiful about it is that the hunger and the drive to do it is exactly the same as to be a competitor or a player. You, exactly. you, if you want to be a CEO, you have to sacrifice all the nights. You have to be willing to stay up two or three days in a row to do. I mean, I remember I stayed up at Madison Square Garden when the league team was playing. Wow. We we stayed. I stayed up four straight days <laughs> because there was so much to get after, and like, exactly. and that was when we three zero TSM. And it was one of the most. It was one of the most iconic things for CLG, and I know it was for George as well. Like Hotshot, I mean, he mm -hmm. was in tears because. He's lived through this. I mean, I just kind of like jumped on board the train, right? I was here two years ago. He's been here for six. Yeah. So so he jumped on it. And for him, he literally playing in a basement for that to culminate, right? But all that, that, all that came from just the hundreds and thousands of hours of work that we put in before. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's awesome, man. And what you're <laughs> doing beautiful. is awesome. Thank you, Devin. I, I would say. You've enabled me. <laughs> yeah. I, it, now, now that I'm learning, I, I think you enabled yourself, especially now that I know all the stuff that you put in to convince us of that and the work that you did, especially the story of meeting us at BlizzCon, right? Where yeah. you like were going somewhere, but you like physically ran out of the car to meet us. We were pulling out onto the main road and uh, I was just refreshing my email. Yeah. Like three times a minute. And then like the one from Matt like popped up. He's like, hey, we're like able to meet you now. Yeah. Uh, it's like yo, like I can't, I can't go to Dintai Fung. Like I need to get out of this Uber like now. Like I'm so sorry, but you need to stop the car. I just like stepped out and ran all the way back to the the uh, the event center. I guess uh, just I think we're getting there. So I guess the last thing would be: um, Is there anything you want to tell either your fans, supporters, family, or just people that are looking up to you? Any, anything you want to say to them? Um, I mean. To friends, fans, supporters, uh, family, uh, it's just like thank you so much. I'm really blessed that uh, all of them 
I like supported my dream and they've been like completely on board and like they know how passionate I am about it and they would never try to hold me back. They would never say like, I don't think this is right. It's, this is your dream, go for it. It's more like inspirational than anything. And um, for them to like watch our matches and like wear the jerseys and uh, to like message me after games, even when we lose, they're like, hey, like you guys played awesome. It was like, it was really great. Um, it's so inspiring to like keep moving forward um, like there's a card that I keep in my my laptop backpack of all of my housemates writing like like the entire card every single like flap of it is completely covered in words of just like support um, and encouragement like this necklace like I wear is from a friend as like a parting gift um, to like keep going after it um, and I just like will never forget that they like they keep me motivated and they keep me inspired because I'm like dang like they support this and um, I'm not gonna let them down so it's just thank you Brian it is a true honor to have you on CLG I can't tell you how much like I'm honored for you to be a part of this if since the day I met you like your drive your desire your attitude to just win and to and to win at life and also to inspire others to do the same and how well-spoken you've been uh, in that message uh, it's, it's just like CLG is lucky to have you and and I, I hope for whatever part CLG can do to uh, to continue to help empower you to broadcast that message and be the strongest you can be appreciate that yeah, man thank you for coming on thank you appreciate so much it, dude. of course <laughs>